We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Welcome to Hi Bob, the officially unofficial podcast for For All Mankind on Apple TV+. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And today we're talking Season 4, Episode 10. It's the finale. Uh, Aaron, I, I'm no thoughts head empty on last episode because uh, I watched it when I was still a little bit sicker than I am now. I've still got a cough and stuff, but uh, doing much better. Excited to talk about the finale. What'd you think? Damn, I was going to follow up with like, you know, what what did you think of last week's episode? But you you cut me off, cut me cut me off at, oh, the, uh, at the knees. Yeah, I I here's my thought about last week's episode. I really enjoyed watching it just as somebody who can watch an episode of television <laughs> without having to worry what am I going to say about it. So I have nothing to say about it. Zero. Not okay. I do well, have stuff I wanna, to say about this episode. I want to answer your question about an overall comment about the season, which is I liked where this season ended up. I am excited about the prospects of next season, theoretically. Um, however, I'm going to need the showrunners and the writers to really tighten things up next season. If I'm going to get excited about an Aleda, Miles, Sam, Will, who, who else we got? Margo, maybe. Nah, uh, maybe you smart know, to just leave her, but yep. Uh, if, if I'm gonna Kelly, Kelly, if I'm gonna ex- get excited about a for all mankind centered around this this new cast, they've got to get those details right because I found myself um, wanting to get engaged with a lot of the plot. I thought the Margo stuff um, paid off very well. I was genuinely moved by Danny. I'm so relieved that good Danny did not meet the bad Danny fate. Um, and, 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 but it's all because of the love and affection I have for these characters. And the fact I've been through this long multi-decade journey with them. Um, but I, I, I constantly found my attempts to engage with what I thought was a really interesting point about kind of revolutions and labor movements and how they're viewed and, and how progress is made when, you know, you have like decades of kind of s- s- uh, gridlock and stagnation and like, when do you get burst of progress and this progress for some mean progress forever. I found those like me, my, my attempts to engage with those plots were continually undermined by uh, just half-baked storytelling. Um, and that's something I've been concerned with all season. And I feel like I, and I was con- confident, honestly, you heard me last week. I was really confident that they would, it's like, well, you know what? Sometimes every quilt, uh, quilt and every square in the quilt isn't the best and it's got some loose stitching here and there. But at the end of the day, when you look at the quilt, you're like, that's, I, I see where they're going. That's a nice looking quilt. Unfortunately, I, I feel like not all, not all the stitching got there and, and the, the end of the analysis. And it's just, uh, I think this is, um, a clear a, a clear step down in, in previous seasons quality from not from the acting not from the special effects standpoint but just from the nuts and bolts storytelling they're just 
a lot of leaps and a lot of connections that I, I, I wasn't following. Um, but like I said, I, I still, this show is affecting, affects me more than most others. I, the amount of bawling I did, uh, especially the first time I went through, um, the whole, you know, Danielle returned to earth and it just kept on getting worse and worse, you know, like, or better, I better, like my heart got fuller and fuller and the tears, it was, it it just wrung them out of me. So like, I, I mean, I got to love a show that makes me care that much about the characters, but I also looking forward to multiple seasons of these characters being dead and gone. And then what? So that's how I feel about for all mankind. Um, I love Kusinet's, Kusinet's station. Um, I, I, I love how we ended things. Um, I thought there's some really interesting and valid questions and observations made, but woof, woof, some of that stuff. What about you? Uh, yeah, I, I mean, we've talked all season about the <laughs> less than stellar uh, way that things have come together. And I think it was no different. It was it was true all the way up till the very end of this thing. I, I point to things even in this final episode that just don't quite connect the way they want me to. Um, that said, I think there are some very exciting moments in this episode. And the thing that they're doing, which is kind of the main thrust of it, which is, is basically like what Margot's saying at the end is humanity's messy. There's no clear line from here to there. There's no clear line to justice. All of these things, the decisions we make are murky. And that's both, you know, a huge weakness, but it's also the thing that makes us us. And it's a strength in some regard. And I think that was something that they ended up getting to that made, that that really felt like they had made their point. Um, Because in the moments where I'm getting excited and I'm, looking for the heroes and who to root for. And I'm like, yes, go, you know, grab your wrenches and go beat the shit out of these people who have unjustly imprisoned you and tortured you and shit like that. Uh, I I feel myself rooting for those people. And then I'm like, yeah, but also there's this asteroid out there that's going to help billions of people on earth. And they're trying to subvert uh, the, the, something that, that could help all those people. So, I found myself very getting very caught up emotionally, but also intellectually, I was being pulled in multiple directions. And I think that's probably the best thing I could say about this season is they nailed that. Uh, and and they didn't always do it perfectly, right? There there are a lot of, like you said, leaps in storytelling and just like things that you have to just go with in order to get to that place. But I do think they managed to get to that place. Uh, maybe they needed another episode's worth of runtime to really flesh out the the finer details of that stuff and it would have made me happier but i ultimately i did enjoy this season um Mm -hmm. i i think it's and i don't know if if we come back and do a recap or a wrap up for this season maybe we could talk more about it but i i think ultimately this is pretty obviously and easily the weakest of the for all mankind seasons and that's fine. Every show is going to have one right before this. Uh, there was still a weakest season. Uh, and it's not to say it was a terrible season. It's just to say it's now the weakest season of for all mankind. And it's unfortunate, the timing, because we are probably going to lose all of the, I mean, we might have Danny, we have Margo wasting away in prison, but like, 
the original cast we kind of fall in love with they're gone and yeah we don't really you know like i unfortunately i think miles and sam i, I think i think it's a it's an obvious decline of the show that we didn't meet sam and miles last season you know yeah um, I can like one of that. my big bones of like why is sam so fucking gung-ho she's gonna throw herself into an ion nozzle and get fried to steal this asteroid like what makes her tick like uh, uh, like you know the way same way we saw Leda and like what shaped her as a little girl into the person that she is now like I would have loved to seen like Sam busting her ass in high school her dream is to be an astronaut like you know the great she's studying Molly she's studying Ed the big wrist the big swing like like make that like it's in her bones she's just burning and like her her frustration with like getting to Mars and the reality of like what the space program is now, but like she just parachutes into the narrative to be kind of like whatever the show needs her to be. Do you need her to make the connections for black market? She can do that. Do you need her to find a Martian rock? She can do that. Do you need her to lead a labor revolt? She can do that. Do you need her to Deus Ex Machina your your asteroid heist? Uh, she can do that too. And. I, and I, yeah, I, I do think I, I don't know if they need another s- episode. I think they needed certainly more time in the writers' room. And I, I don't know if there was like a, hey, I, you know, like there's rumblings about a strike. We got to get this thing done and shot so that we. I, I, I don't know, but like, or, or maybe it's just that like we've gone from you know doing like actual NASA missions that might have been scrapped because of the Cold War to like we're just inventing things out of whole cloth. We're just in science fiction town. But like mm-hmm. a lot of the this episode very much reminds me of Star Trek logic where it's like, you know, of course there's a external manual cutoff for the engines that has a you know, PCI bus slot that you can just slide in your rogue communications device. And it's just automatically going to power. And it's, just, it's all built to work that way. And, you know, you got this big uh, labeled lever that's got to be, it's like, it's like, this is, this is um, them trying to disconnect the deflector dish in first contact. It's like that kind of like, I don't give a shit because like mm-hmm. that's the starship enterprise. And, who gives it but like i'm just not there like i'm not at star trek with the techno babble uh and solutions of the week of the show so it's like that that stuff feels a little a little weak to me so yeah yeah it's like i said it's like i don't think this is a bad season too i'd say this is like a c c c minus uh maybe at the at the very worst um but it is it is unfortunate that they're asking us to swallow this much on the season where they're giving us so little to look forward to next season is in terms of like, you know, what what are the big character plots going forward? Um, yeah, no, we'll see. Um, the, the, I feel like they did dev some service this year. Uh, I found myself thinking that he is not the nefarious billionaire that i assumed he was by the end of this season and that is a good place for him to pick up next time uh because clearly he's gonna pick up we're gonna pick up with him next time uh if you've got a guy leading mars i don't want to feel like he's completely untrustworthy going into that that phase of of life for mars so they did a pretty good job with him um I'm very excited to see where he goes. And and I guess, yeah, Aleda is still with us. I'm excited to see where she goes. 
but yeah, there's not a lot, not a lot of the remaining cast to look forward to for next it's year. It's like, yeah, you talk about like going from season one to season two and you're like deeply involved in like Ed and Karen and Gordo and Stacy or Tracy and uh, Ellen and Danny and their, you know, some cases their husbands and their brothers and their wives and and like the cupboard's pretty bare from a character standpoint. And the ones that like, you know, like I said, Miles and Sam, like I haven't been given a huge reason to care about them. Although I did think the guy who plays Miles did some good work. I like really liked the tension of like the you know the 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 intelligence goons working him over and him breaking i thought that was like uh, i i wasn't expecting him to do that kind of that that good of work um mm-hmm. but yeah, yeah it's it's uh uh inherently still an interesting premise i just uh they 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 need to get the they they need to get the geopolitics and the science a little tighter i think for me to really yeah. engage with this and then and the plot beats too i i <laughs> There's a couple of things that happened in this episode that I want to talk about uh, in a little more detail that yeah. surprised me, let's say. Same. Do you think it's time to get there? Or do we? I do, yeah. All right. You're listening to Hi, Bob. We'll be right back. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Since the dawn of time, we've been putting clothes on our back that identify us with our people, our group, our tribe. And why Bald Move might be one of the smallest, weirdest tribes out there, transcending all concepts of border, class, culture, and creed, we still have respect for the old ways. At support.baldmove.com, you can get t-shirts, hats, mugs, and more. We have something for every one of our podcasts, or just wear the four pips of the Bald Move logo with pride. Bald Move merch beats running around naked. And they make a great gift for the Bald Move fan in your life. Join our tribe. Head over to support.baldmove.com and click on merch to start shopping. Hi, Bob. Welcome back to more For All Mankind. All right, we start off uh, with a flashback two months ago. There's a worker on Mars out in a rover. He finds uh, the gun that's been buried there and stashes it in his locker. This guy's name is Tuttle. Uh, they, they made a point to subtitle the text on this gun, protect the leader at all costs. Did, mm-hmm. did we know what that said before? I, I don't I remember don't knowing so. that, but why make a point to tell us what it says right now? I I thought it was going to have some kind of plot implications, like that this is going to be like some kind of last stand protection of like Danny or Ed or something, but it didn't really. Is it, it an anything. irony thing? Like is it at that all might cost, be. just shoots Danielle? You know it's, that might be. Yeah. Um. Or or also it's like it's it's a it's a signpost for like Lee's character development. Like that's all. Like you know he went from like a completely brainwashed 
you know, North Korean soldier slash cosmonaut that's ready to go down for the two likes, someone who's ready to defy his party, his country. Um, mm. Maybe. I don't know. Um, do you? I Because, like, here's the thing. Like, you know, we watch these. We're recording this in advance. We got screeners. Um, usually I have a good idea of what the public thinks about different things. This is just you and me. Like, I, I talked a little mm. bit over Pete last night. So it, I, I believe that only Lee, Danielle, and Coos knew of this gun. Yeah, with you. Do you find it plausible that all three of those would just leave that gun out there and never, like, you know, when, when Danielle's talking about, like, the, the non-lethal rounds and plastic bullets and what all the measures they got, that, that nobody would think to go out and get that gun? Or just for just just for security purposes, do you think it's like you know? I know it's out there by the North Korean prison complex, and maybe there's not a, a good reason to go out there. But it just seems like an awfully big what if floating around, you know? Yeah, I mean, I it's like what is what is one gun gonna do, right? I I don't think they have any ammunition for this thing, so there's like a bullet. I think is, there's a full. A, I bet there's a full clip. Okay, full okay. Magazine. Let's say there's even a full clip. If it, what good is a full clip in a gun on Mars? If you have a riot of you know 100, 150, 200, I don't know how many workers there are, but a lot of workers. Like, what good is one clip gonna do you? Not very, but it could definitely swing. It, it could definitely. It could definitely be used. I think. Um, because yeah, who's the first one's going to take the bullet? Like, let's say that thing—it's a small sure. gun. Let's say it's got six shots. Seven. Um, mm-hmm. you know, gun. who's going to be the three guys going to take the bullet? Who's going to care that much about this about this uh, yeah. labor movement? Um, but I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's I I just it's one of those things where it's like you'd think that one of them would have gone out there to secure it or destroy it or, or they would have pulled the pl- uh, the pin out of it. Um, yeah, that's the big something. question to me is why market? Why market? If you don't ever want this to come back, why market? I, that, that's the thing. It's like, I, it feels like something that like the three nations, the, the people representing the three nations had like a mini UN and they just decided right then and there, like this is a secret we're going to mm-hmm. bury, but the, I, I wonder if it's Lee insisted that you know at least uh, we mark it in case we need it for. I, I have I have no I I honestly Perhaps. have no clue, but I just want to see how plausible you thought it was that like it would just be out here and nobody had gone back and gotten it secured it like. Well, over the course got- of the episode, I'm looking at Danielle's actions um, and the way she is, you know, what she's what she's sanctioning, what she's approving, mm-hmm. what she's allowing to happen under her command. And I'm trying to gauge how much she knows about this because clearly like the stuff that's going on with Bishop in this episode with the torture of Miles, she knows that Bishop is questioning Miles. I don't think she knows that Bishop is torturing Miles. Agreed. Based on how she reacts when she sees him get a little handsy with him. Uh, Mm -hmm. And so in my mind, like her, she would never leap to, we need to go get a gun because violence is not, is not a solution that she is prepared to even consider, right? Yeah. Even though she's ordering lockdowns, which what do you do with somebody who doesn't want to go into lockdown? <laughs> you physically, violently force them into their quarters. Mm-hmm. Uh, she has to know that there's going to be some measure of violence 
against people who are otherwise uh, uncooperative. But I don't think she would ever leap to, we need a tool of, we need a tool that could murder someone. Yeah. So Let I, I find it pretty plausible that she was not considering it. So that's the least of my, the other concern I have is they've explicitly made it clear that they are tossing and searching and going through police state style, these people's quarters constantly mm-hmm. and have been for, you know, ever since the labor, the, the, the labor, um, you know, movement started, started agitating. How has no one found this gun in these giant base sweeps? Right. I don't know. I don't know. I I get the feeling that they're not as thorough as it seems. They're more concerned with like intimidation because otherwise, yeah. yeah, you would find this gun, right? Yeah. If you're actually thoroughly searching. Anyway, that's one thing I was, I was the first thing I was like, huh? Okay. But obviously this is as soon as they open with this, you're supposed to think this is Chekhov's gun. Yeah, it is going to go totally. off in the final, and 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 it does, and it's pretty. It's pretty. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, Chekhov was up on stage pointing to the gun mm-hmm. last season. I mean, true. You know, it's it's the irony doesn't just stop at like the. I mean, the irony is deep. It's Danielle starts with this gun pointed at her, right? Or is mm-hmm. it Coos? I I can't remember which one actually has the gun pointed at them, but. Kind of both, you know. They both do, yeah. I mean, Lee is menacing both of them with this weapon, and if and you're that right, was... Lee couldn't stop a two-person riot with a gun. How are you going to stop two hundred? <laughs> right <laughs> on the surface of Mars, where all you'd have to do is nick one of their right. suits. Yeah, Coos took uh, three seconds. Like, let's just rush this guy. Yeah, mm-hmm. one of us take a bullet, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I, I don't know. I did find it pretty deliciously ironic that this would come back uh, and eventually shoot Danielle. Hmm. All right, uh, the asteroid, let's go back to to real time here. The asteroid is two hours from the burn window as we see Dev monitoring things in uh, Happy Valley and communicating with his team in the lower decks who are, I I think the ones actually keeping this mission on track. Are they just mirroring the orders that that Danielle's team is giving and sending those communications to Ranger to make it look like they're still in control? I think that's what Ed makes explicit when he tells he like reminds the person, hey, you got to relay that that last uh, telemetry reading or, you know, it's like, what if an order comes in and Dev's like in the bathroom or something? (laughs) I mean, uh, yeah, there's a lot of writing on Dev here in his Morse code box. Yeah, well, I mean, I think I think that they have enough um stuff into the you know the the central whatever that they don't need dev like dev is more of like because they, they'll see the commands coming in and going and they can it's more of like you know it's just another eyes and ears on things they can't see because they don't have okay. they don't have yeah, yeah. uh the north korean system anymore apparently. right um but this is a super cool series of shots uh this yes. whole thing where we fly by the asteroid we fly by ranger we fly through uh, Happy Valley Station, um, mm-hmm. deck to deck here until we get down to where Ed is. And his Reminds team. me of that scene where they show they 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 show the um, the James Webb analog, you know, and you go through the systems, seeing the sensors tracking, yeah. and it goes to Earth, and it's like they're very go for break on that that kind of like um, you know kind of structural analysis. Yeah, I love it. It's not it's not flashy in. I mean, there are a ton of effects happening here, but the effects aren't like big explosions and Mm -hmm. lights and shit. It's really just, here's a cool piece of machinery. 
let's go into detail on that i as a tech nerd i really love this i do love that stuff i did think did you think it was weird that like you know massey's up there just kind of chilling by the discriminator acting maximum shady and they've got now like uh palmer's just mean mugging him mean mugging her like yeah i got my eye on you the whole time it's like where were you last episode when she's squirting i know you can't watch them all the time but i i just thought it was i thought it was weird that a month in maybe six weeks in this project that like he's still like completely it's like well if you were this suspicious of her why did you let her fetch the discriminator Uh why it's like i just felt like it's dumb but it's like they should have told the story of everyone has become complacent and trusting and it'll be a huge shock rather than like i knew she would inevitably betray us at the end but yeah again felt like it's a little half-baked little little loosey-goosey i i feel like massey volunteering sam volunteering to go get this discriminator is kind of suspicious i like Mm -hmm. switch out these discriminators beforehand then do the water thing Mm -hmm. and then let somebody else go grab the discriminator because then you're you're like I. Yeah. I was here the then, entire time. What what blame could I possibly the, have? The invisible hand guiding the the mission. Yeah, I especially I said, when her I, bag I feel like... with the other one is just sitting right there next to it. She when she put that bag down, she could have swapped the discriminators. Then they just needed a little bit more in the design phase of this season. There's a couple of uh, unfortunate engineering flaws and kerfuffles and some some backflow and certain regulators. It just yeah, yeah. Um. So last week when I wasn't here, uh, Lee choked a guy out. One of his fellow North Koreans, uh, the guy who discovered their base down there, um, their uh, secret. Me and B had a big debate about whether he was dead or not. Before you saw this episode, what was your thoughts on Commander Cho dead or alive? I assumed he was not dead because he didn't yeah. choke him long enough. But it's also TV, so like right. a quick choke. And they don't wake That's up what immediately I was like, I w- could mean death, I guess. I was waiting for the snapping celery sound. Like, if you hear that, that's for sure yeah. he's dead. But absent that, no. Yeah. But you're right. It's Hollywood. Like, 10-second choke, they're done. They're done, you know? Right. Uh, so, yeah, that guy. That guy's not waking up. Uh, and Lee's very concerned and decides to take him to the med bay for treatment. Uh, over the protests of some of the people here, Gerardo was like, look, man, he's seen my face. He knows we're down here. What happens when he wakes up? And it's just like, ah, Simi or whatever his name is. Well, he'll be cool. He's been cool. Before. Yeah, they're, they're definitely that. Uh, <laughs> they're definitely relying a lot this season for the Russian flight surgeon to just look the other way and every yeah. opportunity he has. Oh, lo- another loader cool. accident, huh? Yeah. <laughs> I sort of like it. I yeah. like that the doc is like, look, it's none of my business. I'm just patching people up. He's just Swiss. Yeah, he's just Switzerland. He's just remaining neutral, you know? Yeah, you're all meat to me. Yep. <laughs> I'm just stitching <laughs> you up and bleeding you and whatever needs to be done. Love it. Um, So Miles is being tortured. He's not giving up any information, though. So they turn up the heat, or rather the CO2. And he pukes on their shoes and tells them that he just wants to see his family. Uh, how can he tell you what he knows if he can't breathe? I was I was having a problem with these torture methods that keep people from from breathing or talking or whatever. This is just a patently ridiculous torture method. The, the like is it? I have no idea. 
NASA does not supply carbon dioxide to any of their spacecraft or space stations. Do you know why? Because it's poisonous? Because there's only 0.04, even in today's 2024 <laughs> greenhouse paradise that we live in, we have 0.04% CO2 saturation in the atmosphere. And we make it. We make it. In fact, what NASA does is they scrub the CO2. They make oxygen and they scrub mm-hmm. the CO2 because you got to remove it from the air. That's the trick. The problem is they want to they they want like to replicate. There's a scene in like a Tom Clancy book where one of the protagonists interrogates a person by throwing them in a hyperbaric chamber and like pressurizing them. And then once they get nitrogen narcosis, they'll they give them the bins and then they repressurize it. They want something like that. But like a carbon dioxide saturation in the room, it's like, okay, you're going to get progressively and slowly sick over the next six to eight hours. They can't do that. And if uh, the realistic thing to do is have these guys take a plastic bag and wrap around Miles head. Sure. That would be how you interrogate someone this way. But instead, they strap on oxygen mass and adjust the CO2 levels. Like there's CO2 just ready to be. It's like, I, I don't know. I, it, it, it's, it's just the more I thought it about, the more I, the, the more dumb I thought it was. But, uh, sure. Yeah. I will I say pumping I, out the atmosphere like that. That might work. Although it, it would be really difficult. I imagine to pump out the atmosphere in a base like this, because I would imagine a lot of it is connected. Yeah. Yeah. Although I imagine there is probably pretty easy to isolate rooms, though. It have I would to hope be like there if would be some one of them gets a so, so maybe they could do that. But, you know, they want to do this uh, CO2 sickness thing. Um, so if I put about like if I if I take a, the practicalities out of it. Um, OK. OK, fine. Uh, I was surprised that Miles stood this tall. I was impressed by how yeah, much too. interrogation he stood up to last. He is a fucking rock, man. I did not see this side of yeah. Miles. But there were a couple of telltale signs here. I, I immediately knew where they were going with this uh, as soon as he mentioned family and Bishop got a look on his face. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. I, I see where yeah, they're going. Sure. M- much like last episode, um, I immediately knew based on the music cue that Sergey was going to die because you don't do like a half sinister musical cue and show a guy walking to his hotel room who's... Mm obviously going to be trailed by russian agents yeah it was pretty obvious this was pretty obvious too but i mean it's this is good storytelling this is the one thing that could get to miles yeah i I felt like they have told the story i mean he's up here because of his family mm -hmm. there's no other reason uh that he would be up here so yeah it made total sense agreed how cool would it have been if they had casted this guy and his wife last season and, you know, they were like young, happy couple. He's making money with the oil. He could have been a big part of the energy. Like instead of it just being a faceless, a bunch of Americans yeah, right. bitching and moaning about it. Like and season one, two and three for all mankind did that. But here he just parachutes in and they have to do Who's all Jimmy? The- if he was in the group with Jimmy or not, it might be a little bit too small world if he was actually in that group with Jimmy. And then like, how does he stay out of prison? That kind of thing. But like, yeah, yeah. around the edges of that. Totally. Yeah. But Elena wasn't even like she, her dad was like in the beginning. She wasn't connected. She just they're no. they're they're over Mexico trying to get to America for better life after her mom dies. His dad, her dad becomes the janitor there. But like it mm-hmm. wasn't connected. And I think they could have done that. Like we'd have been like, who the hell is yep. this guy? And why do we care about his wife? But it's like, oh, it's an interesting show. in like the real working class Americans who are suffering because of all this progress. Right. Progress totally. isn't 
but like they just didn't do that and i'm actually shocked at how far they were able to come with miles unfortunately sam is like a mile or two behind in terms of character development it really just feels like she is the facilitator of the plot but Mm -hmm. yeah 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 i'm with you that would have been cool not what we got though um, let's go over to Margo. She wakes up in her office with an invitation from Eli and she's escorted to his office where she finds both Eli and also Arena awaiting her. Uh, Arena says she didn't want to miss the culmination of their efforts and that they'll be headed back to Star City together as soon as the asteroid is on its way to Earth. The bullfinch played it pretty cool, I gotta say. You know, she was not gloat. Cool. You know, there's a little subtle menacing gloat, but nothing that Margot would have picked up on unless she knew about Sergey. So sure. Um, and the bullfinch gets her come up at the end of this episode. So, oh yeah, I'll forgive her being smug. The scene. Yeah, uh, I I like this this big surprise with Margot. I mean, Margot's sort of adjusting. Margot's feeling like she's American, right? All these. All these scenes almost, of her eating hamburgers, all of this stuff is making her feel at home here. Sleeping and in her old have, office again, yeah. Right? And then to have Arena just parachute into what is becoming normal life again just blows that all up. When she yeah, walks just, in this room, she's just smacked in the face by, oh, yeah, I'm still a Russian prisoner. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I really like that. They did a good job in this scene. Uh, so Margo goes over to Mission Control and tells Aleda that Arena is here and uh, Aleda says Sergey hasn't been returning her messages so Margo asks her to please go to him and tell him that it's not safe here anymore and she agrees to do that. Which uh, can I just say how buck wild it is that Aleda would be leaving her post again, again. Two hours to go. <laughs> Two hours. Two hours to burn time. A ten trillion dollar mission kicks off. I know they're not paying ten trillion, but it's worth She's ten trillion. Like, I gotta leave the floor. What? She's like, I gotta take a big messy shit. What? Well, you know what happened to Bill Henderson. Yeah. You know, I, you yeah, don't, we still you have don't the want... diapers in the back. Strap That's... one on, Elena. <laughs> <laughs> no, I yeah, I thought the same thing. Like two hours. Also, why yeah. is he in danger? Like if the you're like if the Russians knew about him, like it's not it's not the bullfinch is going to come here with a fucking hypodermic needle or a twenty two caliber bullet, <laughs> like an umbrella with rice on the tip. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> she got to give him a polonium milkshake or some shit. I don't. I, yeah. With yeah. his with his the wash down his Big Mac. I I I I was I was side eyeing. I, I I think the things got better as we go, but I was side eyeing a lot of this stuff in the beginning. Yeah, she's gonna get a reputation. I mean, the the last time she walked out, it was mid mission, and people were screaming and dying. But yeah, so I guess this is a step up. I don't know if you yeah. if you got to leave during a mission, leave before it. And it's also like I think this sh- they're really blurring the lines between her being a NASA employee and Helios. She's a Helios employee. It's not clear to me at all why. Oh, I- although I guess he- this is a joint Helios M seven. They probably yeah, they had the Ross Cosmos station, so of course. But like she's hand entering. Co- I don't know. I-, I felt like they're a little bit trying to have it both ways there, but I don't know. Yep, with you. All right, uh, the CIA goon. Bishop tells Danielle that Miles isn't cracking. She orders him to continue working on it and uh, also orders a lockdown and another security sweep. Um, which I 
at this point i'm starting to think is danielle okay is she cool with what's going on with miles here does she know because she was acting like she knew and was totally cool with it it a little bit stain stains her hail tarnishes her halo that she gets this kgb and cia goon on a literal jack bauer ticking time bomb type solution and Mm -hmm. thinks that they're just gonna be like good cop bad copping him you know and the bad cop is just just yelling really loud and Uh threatening like i i do think because when she says obviously we'll keep on questioning him she's thinking like yeah keep interrogating him you know try to do carrot stick whatever she's not thinking you're torturing someone you're like you're essentially waterboarding them with co2 and but she should have she should have known better yeah probably it's too bad that's too bad. But you know what? She didn't want this job. She wanted to be back home with the grandbaby. She wanted to be watching Star Trek. So did I by the end of this episode. I'm with you, Danielle. <laughs> Just fire up Strange New Worlds. Forget about all this. Uh, yeah, so the goon squad goes into action here. They continue the sweep of the base, violently forcing people into their quarters. Uh, one of them finds the gun in the locker, but rather than reporting it, he just sticks it in his boot or his pocket or whatever. Uh, this is wild. This is the second time somebody has just pocketed this gun. I can I, maybe the first understand time I watched worker, this, but this guy? I got confused. I thought this was Tuttle, that he saw that things were breaking bad. And he's like, I want to get this gun. I want to have it on me. But no, Tuttle gets arrested. Uh-huh. And this is one of the ex-military goons that's been deputized in the goon squad. And he's just like, shit, my hit the fan. I'm going to get, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep this gun. It, yeah, rubber bullets, I guess. no thanks. I kind of wish they just made a Tuttle. The Tuttle was just like, you know, he's like, man, shit's going wild. I'm a civilian. I'm, I don't mm-hmm. know what to do. I like, I felt weird for this guy to be like on his hands and knees crying and getting his gun. And uh, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. It, it's, hmm. I mean, it's part of that messy, like people making decisions that seem foolish or irrational or weird. But again, a better season would have had because they talk about these all are ex-military types. You could have seen like this that, you know, most of them are pretty professional and hey, we didn't get hired to do this, but I guess this is the job that has to be done. And this is the guy who's like the big bragger. He's the one that maybe takes things a little too far when he's hassling employees and like give him something because otherwise it just. Yeah. I don't know. Like, why did this guy break? Why did he have such a, 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 a complete failure of discipline? And why did he steal the gun in the first place? Mm-hmm. You're like the law enforcement. I don't know. It's a little bit. We own this city here, but they didn't. They it's it's but it's literally the 11th hour storytelling. Yeah, so, there's a lot of that in this episode for sure. Yeah, unfortunately. Um, So then a lady goes to Sergei's motel. And she finds out that he supposedly shot himself, which we know better. Uh, this standout this is scene where... for Alita's, uh I can't remember her actors, the, the actor's name, but her losing her shit in silence and just screaming, fuck, fuck, fuck. When this nice man from Yugoslavia shoots himself in the mouth, I, 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 it's... it's uh, her, her and, um, you know, Ren Schmidt both, Sweden. like, have standout performances in this episode of just just spontaneous grief and outrage. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out exactly what's going through her head. I mean, obviously, 
Like th- there's there's a level of oh this is bigger than we thought it was. We've mm-hmm. you know been found out and like there there's there's a whole lot of reasons to be worried and uh, concerned for you know both yourself and and the space program and everything. Yeah, hundred percent. Is is the thing going through her head though? I allowed Margot to Margot me because like she is mm. so. I, I mean, look at where Margot was with Sergey last season. At this point, she was you know being blackmailed by the Russians to continue giving up secrets. This season, Aleda has judged her thoroughly for that and said, I can never forgive you for these things. And now she herself is doing the exact same thing. She's Mm -hmm. allowed Margot to put her in that position. And this is where, like, I I feel like this is the moment where that all comes flooding in and she realizes it. Like, the jig is up. Oh, my God. Is Margot going to die? Oh, my God. Am I going to go to Leavenworth? Like, what's going to happen to my kids? What's my husband going to say? Yeah, it's... I. I could lose everything. And also the sadness of like, I was just, just like just... trying to help a friend, right? And and I can't tell if this is her realizing how easy it was for Margaret to fall into this trap because she now has fallen into it just by trying to help a friend out. Like I think there's a little difference because Margot always had this kind of great man type philosophy. Cause it's like if you read between the lines of the in the last episode, I know you were like fevered and uh, COVID ridden. But there's this throwaway line where she makes it clear that the reason she gave Sergei the fusion reactor plans was so the Russians wouldn't fall so far behind that the United States would just declare the space race over and and, and shit can Mars. Hmm. It wasn't hmm. like a hu- I mean, it's humanitarian and kind of like, well, I don't want the space race to end. But she has been pulling the strings for decades to keep like this. It wasn't just like, oh, the Russians beat us to the moon. So it's it's been also Margot sandbagging the U.S. space program and giving a little bit of information just to keep it the, the race competitive. So she's been, you know, and, and I, I love I, we saw this at the very beginning of the season. We talked about this, how there's so many clear parallels between her and Von Braun. Werner von Braun that you know that he that that you know he made the sacrifice by looking the other way during the Nazi thing Margot comparatively a lot less war crimey but still this is a single person deciding how humans should spend their resources Mm -hmm. and manipulating it to make it so because I mean I I believe that the space the space is worth funding to explore but I'm sharing this planet with like 8 billion other people and like they get a say too. And the people in sub-Saharan Africa is like, gee whiz, we'd like rather have desalination plants and some clean drinking water. How can I tell them? Well, you guys get fucked because we're making this long 50 to 100 year play for human history to explore space. It may or may not pay off. And mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Um, but but yeah, Margot, I, I don't think she got into her situation just to help a friend. She sure. was try, but 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 Aleda certainly is in that position, and uh, yeah. she is just as effectively trapped, regardless of the of the motivations. And now, now she's swinging into the Margot territory, where she has to make a big call um, to keep the space program going. Essentially, um, agreed. By the yeah. end of this episode, and that that scene is great. It's it's one of the better scenes in the episode, um, where they mm-hmm. both come to kind of a realization of what needs to happen here, and then decide who's going to execute it and who's going to take the fall and all of that stuff is very good. Mm-hmm. 
but yeah, I, I couldn't help but think, oh my god, she's she's been Margot in this situation. Uh, so Bishop threatens Miles' family, but uh, promises to keep him safe if he just tells them what he wants to know. And Miles cracks, and he gives up the location of Ed and Dev's team. I, I did think this guy is playing Miles did a really good job the way he played that breaking as being like something he almost wishes he could take back as soon as he did it. Like, mm-hmm. but it's also um, so inevitable, right? Like there was no, that there was nothing on this planet that was going to keep him from trying to save his family here. Yeah, and it's a credible threat. I do wonder what if he just stood tall because like the other thing about this is like how do you know they're going to they're not just going to fuck you anyway? Yeah, yeah. I mean, but like the... also it's like you know if the terrorists got their your the pistol to your your wife your child's head and they're going to pull the trigger right now, you'll do anything to put the 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 you know mm-hmm. put that off another day because the other day who knows what might happen as long as you're still alive totally. things are. I however. With the nature of the time sensitive, like we were two hours at the beginning of this episode away. Did they just have this information on Mars? Did they just have the CCTV footage of her sneaking the moon rocks and stuff ready to go? Like, I wouldn't think so, because I'm like, how the hell would they have gotten all this stuff together in time to do this dog and pony in front of Miles? It didn't seem like they had enough time. Yeah, Miles was a nobody. Miles was... I mean, why? Really, the CIA has had like this tap on Miles' family the entire. Do they do this with everybody who's on Mars? Do they keep tabs on everybody's family? Because I thought the story was the Russians knew about the black market operation, probably because they were spying on Ilya. And when uh, Miles took it over, they just observed that. But they didn't share that with the CIA. How would they? They didn't even know the CIA. I mean, I'm sure they knew that there's somebody there, but they didn't know who it is. And it seemed very clear that the American had no idea who Miles was. It was the Russian that knew. So like where yeah and and if it's the Russians how the hell do the Russians have his wife under surveillance at the Mars thing like they might know about it right and be but like it it, it again if this is the only thing wrong in the episode probably wouldn't even noticed but like at this point in the episode I'm noticing all the shortcuts and as much mm-hmm. as I because I, I I I wasn't as hip to you I didn't notice the family connection right away. Um, or if I did, when we get the scene and they roll in the black bag with the Velcro and the clinking and clanking and they're talking low, another. I'm like, oh, they're going to get. And that's what Miles yeah, clearly torture is some thinking. Shit, yeah. So when they pull out the tablet, it's like, oh, so it's cool. It's just like, again, uh, unfortunately, one too many shortcut for me not to see what they're doing. And kind of like part of my brain is like, I don't know the whole time it's happening while I'm mm-hmm. watching Miles like completely lose his shit and his whole future dissolves in real time i'm still like how would they have i don't uh and where did this footage come from and yeah like yeah, here's the other question is it really this hard to find ed and dev's team like dude. okay we've swept the base nine times we found nothing these are human beings it's not like there are a lot of places to yeah. hide a human being yeah like checking the bottom locker that's a you know eight by eight cube is, there's not going to be a human being in there. Like, there are and only so many places and, to go. And where have you not checked? Oh, the places that are under construction. Maybe we should go down there and check it. Like the no, idea that Daniel no, says, no, we, no we, one can I, get we, down there. We shut that down. We locked yeah, out we, the controls. We, we put a lock on that elevator. No way. Right? No way. Would we have a rogue HVAC guy going around undoing our 
our lockouts. It's, it's it's crazy that they have not checked down there. I'll tell you another thing. It's crazy they didn't know immediately who was in on the thing because they just did a full curfew base. Like I watch guys knocking uh-huh. on and like making sure it's like, well, uh, going into the crisis, Dev, Ed, like these these are just like nobodies. You're not gonna miss Ed and Dev. I mean, Dev. So so Dev is, is mingling, right? Dev is among. The command crew, so he would not okay, be noticed. You're right. but Ed missing, Gerardo Ed missing, missing. One of uh, the ringleaders of the labor movement that just you know uh-huh. was a terrorist cell, and, and you're and you know quote unquote terrorist cell in your mind. Yeah, I, I thought that was a lot of hooey too. Yeah, but the idea that you wouldn't check these lower levels just because well we put an override yeah. lockout on the elevator is absurd. Yeah, yeah. Again, this has been going on for a month, by the way. <laughs> right, right. Uh, so Dev notices that Danielle and her team are mounting up to uh, go storm the lower decks, and he warns Ed's team that they're coming. And when Danielle's team arrives, the opscom is deserted, but Danielle sees what their plan was. Yeah, um, and that's where you know that's the 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 the, the everyone the, the principals on the show finally catch up to where the audience has been for a couple weeks and. I like how Marv is like, is that even physically possible? Can someone do that? Steal an asteroid? Like, that's what we've been talking about the last three weeks, Marv. Yep. Good you're catching yep. up. <laughs> uh, yeah. And then and Will's brought in on this process. Arena is there in the office talking with him. Um, seems like everything is back on track. Seems like the plan to steal the asteroid from Mars is off. What are you going to do without mm-hmm. ghost ops? Yeah. I, yeah. Like, what can you do? Uh, I do really like where Ed and his team end up hiding out. It makes it makes total sense. Like all, all of the things that they've had kind of spinning in the background here, these plates, mm. I do feel come together pretty nicely here at the yeah. end with like not the North clean, Koreans and their sort of sovereign there. state they've got going on yeah, here yeah, on yeah. Mars, and you know the the willingness or unwillingness to violate that territory. It's it's all pretty good. Yeah, yeah. And the alliances they've forged over the course of the last few episodes. Mm-hmm. I like it. Yeah. There's a little fruits of the poisonous tree with I don't fundamentally buy Lee's storyline, but like oh, totally, it, yeah. But again, <laughs> it's only gonna the, get worse from here. That's what I'm saying. It's 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 a shoddy piece of quilt, but you could stitch it together to to keep yourself warm for sure. And I think it worked at that level. Uh so Gerardo is found. And Bishop grabs him, slams him up against a bulkhead before Danielle calls him off. Uh, Danielle seems to be displeased with Bishop's methods here. I I don't know what she thought. We we kind of discussed this. I don't know what she thought was happening with Miles, but just mm. talking, I guess. Because uh, she's really, like, dismayed. She grabs him forcefully, pushes him against the bulkhead, and screams at him. But she doesn't relieve him of his duties or confine him to nope. quarters or... Uh, reassign someone to not not that I would I don't know the bishop would take that instruction like once he was activated I as everything yeah, about yeah. Danny is like a little naive because once he was activated by the Department of Defense he's probably like the CIA and the KGB are the guys calling the shots at this point oh but Danielle's like the commander of this base yeah right <laughs> yeah yeah well Al Gore told me I I need to get this thing done so mm-hmm. <laughs> he's the commander in chief. And um, then we see Dev and Ed's team hiding out in the North Korean part of the base. 
I love Lee Buffalo and his own men. They're like, what are these four, these Westerners doing in here? And he's like, hey, Commander Cho in the sick bay, I'm the top dog, and you're going to, like, fall. So, so now, like, you can see the, the Korean soldiers are, like, doing the math. Like, this seems like bullshit. But it's the exact also, kind of bullshit that if you stop without authorization, you might injure, you know, see, end up in a like the North Korean gulag equivalent. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's like, what are they going to do? Because yeah. it might it might be a wild psyop that they're all doing. Who knows? No, that's where showing us things like Lee trying to say hi to Ed and it getting shut down hard really pays off, right? Yeah, yeah. Um. At this point, I was thinking, this can't be it. This is so anticlimactic, right? To have them do this whole ghost ops thing, have Sam risk her neck up on Ranger, and for it to just fall apart in the end, there's no way this is the end of this plan. But I didn't see another avenue. I didn't either. Where they needed to go. And I felt like that's a problem because I do feel like the last three twists here just felt like them making up complications. I couldn't possibly. It's the override switch thing that kills me. See or understand. Yeah. I think everything else for me tracked, right? The North Koreans might have. That was clever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, All that stuff worked for me. It's really just like you want to install an override between the ship and its engines that seems wild to me and then you know the lego like nature of the pieces that just kind of sort of plug into it seemed also yeah like i i I would kind of am i crazy to want to see massey like twisting wires together no that's what i expected to see but. Yeah, that this is not meant to the 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 what to pull a manual override and put a, 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 a remote slave switch into it like what, and then then the fact that there was an Uno reverse that NASA could play it's like well there's a, there's a way to shut down a fusion reactor of course we wouldn't put that on the ship, the captain can't scram his reactor but we can all we got to do mm. is do some high speed coding to make it and you know write all this fucking Fortran in thirty five minutes and. <laughs> You know, I, I it, yeah. It, yeah, like I said, I I wonder if the if it wouldn't have been better if it was just an Ocean's Eleven style heist with maybe one twist. But the fact that it kept on Uno reversing till the very end. Um, yeah. yeah. But I mean, like I said, I I I, I, I wish there was like only a third of the things we're complaining about to complain about, because I think you would just be like, well, you just you're you're mm-hmm. sounding like a nitpicker, you know, but like unfortunately there's so many nits to pick sure and i feel like that's the other thing is i felt like if i the more i knew about any particular thing that they're trying to assert as like science fact or something the more i'd call bullshit if i was like an actual rocket person or an an engineer or something i would mm. be really rolling my eyes i'm just rolling out uh, the eyes of the stuff i kind of sort of know about you know yeah i want to get a look at that code oh look at it I wanted to go back. This is something I know we've commented about, but like Marv's reaction to finding out these guys are stealing the asteroid is like, don't they know what we're trying to do? Change the world. They're trying to line their pockets. This is a CI. This is a C. This is the former CEO of Chrysler. I think so. Yeah. This is a multimillionaire, hundred millionaire, if not a billionaire talking about workers wanting to line their pockets I mean this is like I know we got feedback of this last bit I just like the absurdity of the fact that like if you guys had just made these these workers all godfather offers yeah it'd be a rounding error in the budget of this project and you would have no pro- you would have enthusiastic support from the workers yep 
absolutely like it's so interesting how myopic in fact i thought this was an excellent simulator for like how you would feel as an american 1775 okay you know what i'm saying because there's a whole lot of patriots and a whole lot of founding fathers and a whole bunch of 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 sniveling loyalists Mm -hmm. and 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 how you talk about that i think it's like would would let you know how you would feel about living in america or being in england when america succeed because like this is what it is this is a per this is a this is a colony go declaring their independence yeah for sure no it's uh yeah he he i don't feel like he's ever had a finger on the pulse of any of this stuff and this is the thing i i keep seeing marv getting more and more uh it, it becoming more and more aware of the type of situation he's in here and and yeah. it weighing heavier and heavier on him and i, I could just see him like physically slumping every single episode more and more him and danny are the same people right they're both people who kind of thought they were done and ready to go into the golden years and they've been pressed back in service by politics because you're the only one that mm -hmm. can help and don't you want to serve and are just getting kicked in the teeth for it you know yeah and and he just and maybe maybe they're both like this but he certainly doesn't seem like he has a grip on the situation. Like he is not, yeah. he is, he is misjudged pretty much everybody top to bottom and their motivations yes. across this entire season. And even Danny, like trying to appeal to like our shared home and Ed and yes. Lee and Dev have already gone like native Martian. They're like, fuck that. Like, you know, we're not we're not British people. We're Americans. Hello. We're yeah. not Terrans. We're Martians now. To a degree has has misjudged people too. Um But like I I didn't even see that. Like I think that's a particularly I think they did a poor job of Ed's character too, because I did not get this founding father thing. I thought this was a purely cynical. And and I think I, I had a conversation with Pete last night where he kind of leaned into that. It's like, well, that's the point. Like sometimes progress is made, not because of the noblest intentions, mm -hmm. but because of the basis, selfish uh, intentions, you know, people have something they want to protect it. They're tired of, I mean, that's a lot of the founding fathers were like, you know, black market profiteers that, didn't want like you know britain coming in and 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 building out official systems because they were lining they were lining their pockets from all this illicit trade um so it's like Man, yeah they had all the ingredients of a really great ed story here and i feel like they didn't quite get there um I, like yeah Alex, i don't know they they have the perfect opportunity for him to do something selfish but also loving for his own grandson like uh-huh yeah alex is up here on mars but what kind of future does he have up here on mars you know is this going yeah. to be something where they shut down the program and he has to go back to earth and live under worse conditions for himself yeah they, they could make that point make him really care about his grandson and be doing this stuff for that reason and that's that's a fairly selfish reason and that's great because that still gets you where you want to be with you know the the messy nature and the selfishness of some people's actions being good at occasionally for the overall uh mass of humanity but yeah it feels know. to me like they were still writing the last few episodes when they're shooting the first few and they just decided to do a u-turn or maybe that again they're really leaning on what pete says that sometimes progress happens because of the worst impulses of humanity not necessarily because of our best impulses and i think that's true to a certain extent but i i guess i would have liked to seen them show ed as like 
fr- not complacent like he was, like a fat, complacent cat at the top of the, the pecking order, just completely self-satisfied because he's got his rocket man job still. And he's still top stick and or still top gun. And and, and st- I would rather him be like, see him like frustrated at the complacency and the stagnation and how like, you know, the, like, like he should be outraged by what, you know, like that that's not right what we're doing to these people. Like how can we expect these people to leave their lives and come up here and we bait and switch them? Like make him be like more of a revolutionary figure, but I I don't know what the utility is of making him be this like very self centered person and just pull this like I'm a Martian bullshit thing out of his ass at the end. Which yeah, I, I mean, don't know. he explains it to Kelly. I get it, right? Like I, and it's uh, the last episode because uh, this episode Kelly is not a factor at all. Um. Yeah, what yeah. one scene to be stunned what did by ed Daniels. tell kelly you when we know because like that's, that's something to mean uh b we're talking about it's like what you know we had this big emotional thing about you got to be honest with me dad and he has honest about his personal motivations oh. but then he yeah, yeah. she's like okay now what's really going on what did with he tell her uh, did she did he say mind your own business apparently <laughs> yeah maybe he said uh I, I need a day or two and then i'll tell yeah. you but uh, it would be nice the, the to know personal stuff that that's like where I was going with it. Right. Right. And I, I feel like that was both. They could have done either or, but those storylines took away from each other. Like it would have been nicer if they had that characterization all completely lined up. And, and also I think it's bullshit that they treated that conversation with Kelly as a cliffhanger and they just, mm. no, nope. Kelly comes in with a look of shock after Danny, uh, got shot and she holds his hand <laughs> and that's be it. 10 years at minimum before we revisit that conversation. Yeah. If and ever. That, probably never. Probably never. I think Ed's dead next season and that felt, again, this feels feels kind of rushed and slipshod. Yep. Um, but personally, it, it made some sense to me. They they eventually got there with Ed. I You get you get at least what's going through his head and why he's made some of the choices he's made. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm about you know him feeling like he's just going to waste away be stuck in a nursing home be completely useless and powerless uh, as a human being if he goes back to earth and so this is his new home and i i get that that makes sense um so i i didn't really have a huge problem with the choices he made but i do feel like there was a better way to do it and it probably involved Alex a little bit more because yeah. none of that, none of that stuff really like connected ultimately. Like, okay, he he uses Alex to as part of his heist, but it felt like that was the culmination of the Alex plotline, and then boom, he's gone. Forget about Alex because he doesn't matter to the plot anymore. Yeah, if you squint, you can definitely see it, but you put your put your glasses on and it comes into focus. Like, oh, that doesn't really. Those, those parts don't quite line up, you know? Yeah. T-minus three seconds until the ad. We try to make it super easy to support making podcasts at Bald Move. Just join the club. But well, some people aren't the joining type, or maybe they're already in the club but want to add a little bit of gratuity for an especially great season of coverage, or for a podcast that really spoke to them or gave them that bit of support in a tough time. 
For these, and for whatever other reason you might have, our tip jar is always open. Head over to support.ballmove.com and click the donate option to say, hey, keep doing what you're doing. We appreciate it. Once again, check out support.baldmove.com for all the great ways to help me and Jim keep making the podcast you love. Commission podcasts are an awesome feature here at Bald Move that allows you, the individual listener, to decide what we talk about for a single podcast. The community loves it because it often leads to fun fan favorite films and TV shows that we've overlooked getting the coverage they deserve. And we love it because we're constantly exposed to great stuff that's not even on our radar. The way it works is simple. You go to support.baldmove.com and you click on commissions. Then you pay the flat rate for the commission and tell us what two-ish hours of content you'd like us to make podcast on. Then we'll contact you for details, advanced feedback, and any dedications you'd like to make. Then we watch the thing, discuss the thing, turn it into a podcast, and pump it right into your ears. We get consistently great feedback on how much our commissioners love their podcast, and they make great gifts for the dedicated Bald Move fan in your life. And who knows, that dedicated fan could even be you. Treat yourself. Check out support.baldmove.com for more info. Touchdown, and we're back. On Earth, Alayda returns to Mission Control and tells Margo that they should go to her office. And once there, she tells Margo the news about Sergey. And then Margo uh, does something impulsive, goes out and kind of like half confronts Arena about this in front of everybody until she realizes that this may not be the place um, or that she's not going to get anywhere with this and then excuses herself. I- I'm-, I'm trying to figure out what exactly is going through Margot's head here. As she looks around at the faces gawking, is is she embarrassed or is she like, this is doing no good? I think the latter she realizes like she's just all, she's just operating on pure instinct. You know, when mm-hmm. she calls the bullfinch out, she doesn't have any plan. She, I thought it was a really classy way to handle the disclosure. Cause it's like, there's nothing more tedious than telling an audience something they already know. And they've been told twice now, once when we saw mm-hmm. Sergey's brains blown out, once when Alita went through it now, doing the like no you know we're outside a window just seeing margo go through all five stages of grief in like 30 seconds and then literally swallow her emotions Mm -hmm. and i'm like oh wow that's a strong person she's gonna go out there and do her job but then no like she sees i don't think she intended to call the bullfinch out but like she hits the hallway and there her and marv are she is Mm -hmm. and she just cannot stay silent um, and I really like, you know, and, and that's the thing is like, she's seeing like Marv is there. Like, are you okay? Do I like, and, and this is a person who's powerful and could intercede, but she's doing the math and like what that would mean. And if it would implicate a late, late and she realized she's uh, just, I'm trapped. I'm just as trapped as I was yesterday and they murdered my boyfriend. Yeah. And I can't do anything about it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I wonder how much of this led Margot into her you know progress is not free i wonder how much of that like how much of this stiffened her spine yeah i mean this is it right this is like if there if you were pulling straws this is the last straw and and Margot just can't she she doesn't care about the consequences to herself anymore 
Yeah. Um, she's just going to make her a sacrifice of herself to to continue the space program. Um, there, there's a moment, a, a very small moment that I really love in this scene where we're watching sort of through the windows and Margo's going through that grief. And mm-hmm. Aleda is just kind of standing there like, She's horrified. She she sees what Margot's going through, and from off frame, just before Margot turns to leave, Alita reaches toward her, and you can kind of see her hand come off the the side of the frame, like she's going to put a hand on her mm-hmm, shoulder. Mm-hmm. But then Margot spins and she pulls that hand back, and I mm-hmm. like th- there's such and, and combining that with the hug that she runs up to give her uh, as she's being led away in chains at the end of this episode. It there's there is a really powerful like characters who care deeply about each other, but one of them certainly and maybe both of them are not the type of people to show it. Uh, even in these dire, just like awful circumstances, there's something not really feel comfortable like, showing it. Yeah, yeah. There's something something real sad about that. Uh, that I I really thought was a nice moment, and I I don't even know how much of it was intended uh, or planned. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Gerardo is taken to the same room as Miles, and he tells him it's over. Miles does. Uh, and we'll see more of that here in a second, because um, the Rangers about to begin the burn. They hit the burn window. Again, really nice effects, very clean. It's just like, if th- this is what this would look like in real life, I felt like. Mm-hmm. And you see Ed's team kind of reacting to this it's like okay what what the hell are we gonna do because we're stuck here in the north korean quarters we don't have any way to communicate with sam we don't have any way to take over ranger and control this burn and then ed notices some private north korean radio uh gear and they realize that they can use this to tell sam to give them control of the engines but in order to do that she's gonna have to do an eva during the burn which is dangerous Mm-hmm. there's there's a whole description here about like her and and it's you know it's important because it's like these stakes are very much front and center throughout this episode but she's got to go out to where i guess the engines meet the rest of the ship here and plug in a module that's going to allow them com- to communicate with the engines and also pull this manual override switch um that's going to remove ranger's ability to communicate with its own engines uh but that can only be done outside the ship yeah uh i thought it was like the fact that the north koreans paranoia and the fact that they baked into the m7 charter that they'd have an exclusive ability to talk to their uh personnel privately that there'd be no interference by the western yeah it's like it's it's I did. I thought this was this is this is this is the part of for all mankind. It felt like old for all mankind, mm-hmm. you know. And they even kind of like you know with Ed knowing Korea last episode, like he would be the one that kind of thinks about this stuff. And I, I thought this, yeah. Now everything else, like you said, the manual override switch with the nice little plug in to accept the pirate module, and the fact that it's spring loaded. Why the hell would you have a manual switch on the outside of a spacecraft that an astronaut would have to maintain positive pressure to keep the cutoff going? Like, what? What? But I don't know, dude. But this one thing they did, they 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 were cooking this North yeah. Korean communication gear. Yeah, I do like that. All right, uh, Dev gets all the Sam. 
Oh. Did you find it odd that Dev is the one that's like, as soon as Ed says about the radio, Dev just had a complete soup to nut solution involving all the components and all the hardware and, and something that Massey can do in about 60 minutes? I, no, no. I mean, he's a smart guy. <laughs> and it is his spaceship, to be fair. Yeah. Yeah. So. He seems like the guy who might know about this stuff. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so Dev gets a hold of Sam through the Koreans on Ranger and sends her outside of the ship. She's spotted, though, on the security cameras, and uh, Dev starts guiding her through the the override EVA. Said you wanted to be an astronaut, didn't you? I don't think anything in the astronaut handbook says we're going to have to do uh, an EVA during a burn, and we're going to be doing it Against the wishes of NASA. That's the crazy thing. Like, NASA is not sanctioning this. This is not being an astronaut. This is being a space pirate, man. So that's... I there, All of the execution of this scene I did not like, unfortunately, because I kept on thinking... How much thrust are we talking about here? Because Massey's grunting like she's bad Danny from last episode or last season trying to, uh, you know, climb to this, the, the hub of the space station that's spinning at three G's. But yet you look at her tether and it's just slack. You, you, when she she mm. she lets go of the, the 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 control panel, it just kind of floats until it hits the dry plume. And then it, it just takes off because apparently the ions pushed on it that hard. But like I'm not, they're not, and 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 for some reason the thrust is like 15 degrees off axis, which I don't know that might be part of the burn. But like none of this felt real. Like there's no like from Massey's acting perspective and from the special effects, there is no frame of reference where this thrust feels like it's a thing. And I've seen shows do this so much better. I've seen shows where the point is someone's. I've seen this show do. Uh, you know, like a, a, a inertial frame of reference better. Like I said, when when Bad Danny did the climb up the elevator shaft, I think that was a lot better. I, mm. I, yeah, I, I just, it just really, it just really bugged me. Huh? Yeah, I, like I it felt like the thrust it. was irrelevant unless the unless the writers wanted you to notice it. You know, yeah. it's like the thrust came in when she's throwing a panel away, when Palmer's getting knocked off against his tether, everything else. It's just like, you know, she's grunting, but like her body is a 90 degree parallel to the thrust. Why the hell would you, you know, and her again, her her her, um, you know, tether is just kind of dangling there, limp and loose. It's not being pulled in any one direction. Mm-hmm. Um, it just like I said, I, it's just really sloppy. Gotcha. I did like the soundtrack. The soundtrack is amazing. It added so much tension that, like, this is a for all mankind trademarked a little, you know, kind of like putting a ticking sound effect inside, like a metronome. The soundtrack it really amps the tension. It's like a Mission Impossible type of thing. Yeah, surprisingly, this was not the part of the episode that really got me going. Even though, yeah, there's supposed to be a lot of tension in these scenes. I mean, they you know Palmer pops his head out the hatch and you're supposed to be like oh shit mm-hmm. and and I was I just wasn't feeling it 
Because um, there's more who of an intellectual cares? registration of it, but yeah, who 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 cares? Like if Massey had flown into the drive cone, I would have been like, oh, that's interesting. If Palmer had fried in the drive cone, I'd be like, oh, that's interesting. But it's like, it, well, and get, it goes back to that: who am I rooting for here? You know, do I want the Martians right. to get the rock? Do I want Earth to get the rock? I, I, I did I'm not like actually that. Certain. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. As a as a hypothetical Earther, how do I feel about what they're doing here? But mostly, I just wish they did a better job with making Massey of a, a, a fully three dimensional, realized character. You sure. know. Um. Yep. I was thinking like we usually see people like Molly or Tracy or Danielle or Ellen in these situations. And we've gone all the way through their training. We've seen their home life. We know what this means to them. We know what being a pilot means to them or doesn't mean to them. Massey just like, yeah, she wanted to be an astronaut always, except for the times she wanted to be a union labor person or except the times that she was kind of interested in miles and a relationship. And, and remember all the time, like miles getting jealous of watching her yeah. make time with like, what the fuck was all this? And then almost kissing. I, yeah, it's a little weird, a little weird. Right. But she always wanted to be an astronaut. I swear to God, did they mm-hmm. make that up two episodes ago? And that's like, because I, 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 it does feel like they were still the ink was was wet on these scripts when they were yeah. then they were already been shooting for six weeks. I, I don't know. I don't know what went wrong, but it didn't exactly go right. All right, so Ranger realizes what Sam's doing, and they tell Danielle, who sends Palmer out to put a stop to it. Uh, then Bishop calls her aside and tells her that the crew might be in the North Korean module, um, the the crew they're looking for, and he's waiting on approval to go in. And so Danielle gives them the heads up. He, she calls Ed over at the North Korean module and tells him to stop this. And Ed says, uh, no, Mars is my home now and hangs up on her. Is this the ballsiest high Bob in series yeah, history? I loved it. And, and how it's so obviously <laughs> and immediately not going to be returned. <laughs> uh, huh. Yeah, I, I love her yeah. in full mom mode. Like, Lee, put on Ed. Oh, I don't know what you mean. Ed's not here. Cut the crap, Lee. Yeah. <laughs> you know, don't maybe come down there. <laughs> and Ed's like, yeah, okay. Hi, Bob. Uh, again, I wish this tracked more. I wish this, I was honestly shocked to see these things coming out of, of Ed's mouth. This kind of like raw Martian patriotism. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they hadn't quite connected those dots. I like it. I like it. It tracks with his character. It's just like I feel like they were writing him wrong. Him and Dev both kind of in the in, in the beginning of the season. It just wasn't or maybe I'm I don't know. Maybe I'm uh, obtuse and I'm, I'm not seeing the grand architecture here, but it uh, it didn't. None of these moments quite landed the way I hoped they would have. Yeah. And I kept thinking, where is Kelly in all this? You know, as we tick closer to the end of this episode, I'm thinking, where is Kelly? What yeah. was this conversation they had? Wouldn't it be How... interesting if Kelly had defected too, and she decided, like, yeah, we, we, That's you're right, they are going to strangle Mars, and I, I'm on board with this dad, and we should, yeah, like fight, she was going to and... have Dev's robot army come out swinging or something. At yeah, the end of this, I, I kept looking for the Kelly angle in all this, and it just never materialized. Uh, unleash the hounds of war, and it's the Boston Dynamics robots uh-huh. running through the. <laughs> Do, do, yeah, doing somersaults and uh-huh. uh, spin kicks and shit. Yeah, Let's slip the bots of war. Cry havoc. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and it's like yeah, the way like he like went. I mean, he's very he's Beltalota here. Like, oh, you you well walla tied to your little blue planet with its abundant. It's it's 
it feels like someone something next next season or the season after that would say, but it was a lot for Ed to get to. I just wish that I wish they'd yeah I wish they'd uh, move the pieces a little bit better. That's all. Mm-hmm. Uh, so NASA gets word of what's going on with the Ranger, and they decide that they need to send a command to starve the engines of fuel, forcing them to shut down. But they have to send it quick because they got a five minute comms lag. That's Coke bottle glasses, the new Bill, I guess. He is uh, one sharp cookie. He has got a way oh, yeah. to completely up in their plan with like two seconds of thinking. Yep. It's, uh, I like him. Probably probably mostly because he looks like Paul Giamatti in some alternate universe. But... He is a little like a young young Giamatti a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but you're right. He's He's on it. He knows exactly what needs to be done here. He susses out immediately what happens when this code goes wrong later. It's so uh, weird the things yeah. they do sweat, like having Will run in at the end and being like, "We the command takes five minutes to get there round trip, so we got to, like, okay. Yeah, it's like, that's, that's, I guess they're sweating the big details. But, um, and again, the idea that they, the Ranger doesn't have the authorization to shut down their engines, only NASA does from down here. Mm-hmm. Like, what if there was a problem? that fusion engine ran away i don't know man yeah it seems plot convenience stuff but yeah who knows it's very very Uh, thermal exhaust port (laughs) a lot of this is very thermal exhaust port uh later sees margo alone in the observation lounge and asks her what's up and she's thinking about the old times with her mentor von braun and how it relates to the decisions that she's made up until now and the one she's about to make and Margo tells Aleda that the future of the space program rests on Mars getting the asteroid um, I love this part so much yeah. I wish it was within a better season and a better episode because I thought this stuff in isolation just worked so beautifully the culmination of the Von Braun stuff Margo's you know mistakes and and mm-hmm. uh her idealism, her it's not patriotism, her what let's like what would be nationalism but for space? It, yeah, Spa- spacialism. Mm-hmm. S- sp- you know, space supremacy. I, I don't na- know what NASA-lism. it is. Nasaism. Nasaism? Um advancement, exploration. She's an explorer yeah. at Spar and she doesn't want the humans to ever stop that. Um I like I really like it so much. I like how they both like there's it's some interesting thing about the people lining their pockets and the other people lining their pockets, not one of the other people lining their pockets. Like neither one of them have the ultimate say. Like it's the two professors at the draw at the chalkboard that are like trying to architect a better humanity to just like, you know what, fuck it, YOLO. Let's just mm-hmm. let's just let's just shut this down. We can we can make this call for everyone. Let's do it. Yeah. Like they are going to put the thumb on the scale, which I don't know. That's that thing. Kinda, it that's does terrifying. But yes, but, but in this scenario, like it's always a matter of, of what is this specific thing we're talking about and how do you feel about it? Right. Because ideologically, I don't want anybody to have their finger on that much power and be able to mm-hmm. push us in a direction against the will of the greater massive people but like at the same time if they're pushing it in a direction i agree with it's hard not to say yeah you go 
It also is a little ahistorical because, like, it's you know, it, it breaks down the American Revolution analogy in that you know, not any one person or any two people did that thing. It, it took and oh, like sure. you know, if yeah. George Washington hadn't stepped forward, there'd been any number of five generals that probably would have done the job, and we'd talk about how great they were. But then I think it's like there are some times like I think of like, you know, like when Yeltsin got the 3 a.m. call about like there's been a nuclear launch and he's just and like we need to massively retaliate. And he's like, this is fucking crazy. We're at uh, we're at peace. There's been nothing on the boards like let's just and, you know, and, and Kennedy and Khrushchev, you know, ref, you know, going toe to toe, eye to eye, but not actually nuking each other. Sometimes it does come down to one or two people. Mm hmm. They're usually not mid-level engineers in a space program. Yeah. You usually don't have that much power um, in those positions. Yeah. And I don't know. Uh, like I said, it's a complicated thing. I'm torn. And then if this if this season has succeeded in any way, I think it's in that way. Um, yeah. And it, it seems like that's what they were going for. And so I that, that's probably the saving grace of this season is they, they pointed out to the billboard and they said, that's where we're hitting the ball. And, you know, maybe they corked their bat, but they hit the ball mm. out there uh, for did. sure. And, and I, I felt it. I, I felt it connect. I, it made a lot of sense. It uh, in the end, like the overall place where we ended up, I, I think it worked. It's just there was a lot of rough road. Yeah, and I feel like if you and I say it worked and we are very inclined to go with what this show, like we are in the tank for this show. Like ever since we were little boys, this is the kind of shit that we've been into. Mm -hmm. It's just a damn shame that this show is doing such a good job of getting to this point. But like they have thrown up so many barriers to entry that it's hard to like, you know, recommend yeah, for all mankind is amazing. It keeps getting better and better. And the things it says about the future of mankind and where we need to go to get there is amazing. But like, here's the thing: each each season past the first two is going to get a little worse and worse. And by the time you get there, you might not even care. Like, that's a harder sell than like, oh my god, this thing has been amazing. Everything is connected. The things in season two ripple into season four, and boy, they have some really interesting things about the to say about like what we need to do as people to advance and what's important, what's not important. That's like it's like I said, I I wish it done it better because what they are trying to do is extremely ambitious and very interesting, oh, and yeah. I think important for us to think about. Just like yeah, like I thought it was, I wish Westworld had done a better job because I think people seriously <laughs> uh -huh. think about AI and getting out of the fucking RoboCop and Terminator paradigms, like the killer robot. Like like <laughs> like like that would be so to, to talk about AI and like before we actually have to in a way that we could. That stuff is valuable. This art stuff is valuable. I just wish these yeah Westworld and For All Mankind had, had done it a little a little better, and. <laughs> Look, man, for I all can, mankind was doing it up until this season, so maybe well, maybe this is just thing. a sidestep. I can, I, I'm step. I'm less hesitant to recommend for all mankind to people than let's say Star Trek: The Next Generation, mm -hmm. because for all mankind starts off d d fully loaded. Like th yes. there is nothing I would complain about about the first season. Uh, <laughs> you can't say that about Star Trek: The Next Generation. You can't say that about yes. most shows. Like yeah. the firm footing that this show started off on is kind of remarkable. And you know, when you say, "Oh, it gets worse every season," Beyond Two, I'm like, 
okay maybe but not appreciably like this is the first season where i feel like it, there's been an appreciable drop in quality of storytelling yeah, and if this is just a rough patch because they're trying to get from a, you know, uh, uh, like an old, uh, t- the original, the TOS, the old scientists, the original series to a next generation, because that's kind of what they're trying to do. And this is just a, just a rough patch. And, you know, the maybe that the, it was a little bit shortened because they're trying to hurry this, get this out before the strike. I, I don't know. Maybe. Maybe all that stuff is true. I, I just like, yeah, I just wish. Um. This is the golden age of television, man. We don't put up with shows taking three seasons to get good, you know? And oh, yeah. certainly, certainly if shows starting to fall off, that's, that's other, that's another problem too. So I, 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 again, where we're at at the end of the season, I'm excited. I, I'm excited for next scene, but I have a lot more questions and a lot and a little bit more of a shaken faith than I thought I would be coming in, you know, to a potential season five. All right, well, we still have some of season four to talk about. No um, kidding. Sam attaches a transceiver. They start receiving the data over in Ghost Ops, and Dev stresses that the override handle needs to stay up for the entire duration of the burn, just as Palmer emerges from the hatch. Oh, ominous. Um, this is just kind of setting up the stakes for the fight that's about to happen here. Yeah. Um, then we go back over to Margo, who has some code that should stop the engine shutdown, and Aleda insists that she be the one to upload it for perfectly valid reasons. I think like having Margo do anything out of the ordinary is going to raise suspicions here. Um, Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I did wonder what the deal with them dueling entry like. Yeah, this is super weird. So he's establishing the uplink while she's putting in the signal to send. I don't that, know because Margo has like a legal size sheet of paper that has the code written in pencil. And that's the other thing. Like I'm a programmer. It it's hard to write a hello world message box pop up and have it compile right the first time, you know? <laughs> sure, yeah. Let alone like this, this there's a full page of text just for the pirate shit that Aleda and Margo's kind of trying to inject at the last minute. This guy's writing a fucking Bible and it's mm-hmm. like hi. So I, I don't know. I just thought it was weird to have this pair program. It's like, what are you both doing? You know? Yeah. It's like, I wish they'd like said that there's a two-step thing. Like, you know, he's writing the actual instructions and I'm writing the subroutines that execute them all together. And she just slides a reset into the last little nested loop or whatever. I don't know. The last object that executes. But it's, it's again, it's, but again, I, I guess this show's not written for me. It's. It's written for yeah. people that that don't know that 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 don't that know less than I do. Certainly about programming, probably Slim about space Mr. flight. Robot. Yeah, didn't used to feel that way though, right? No, I agree. Yeah, um, feels like it used to sweat details like this much more closely. And again, it might be because the, de- the they were sweating details that like NASA had spent billions of dollars developing, and now they're just kind of like making shit up. But it's it's still it's something I can feel for sure. Okay, let let me hmm. let me ask you a question about something that I'm certain they have to get right. There's no way this this can be as blatant as blatantly obviously wrong as I think it is. So they're watching a clock. So so Will says, "Okay, we've got to get this sent uh, within X number of, uh, within very quickly because we have a yeah. five minute communications lag on this thing. Mm-hmm. It takes five minutes to get a signal up." to ranger 
and they're watching this clock, which is matched to Ranger's actual clock. Mm-hmm. And on that clock, it's saying two minutes when they send this signal. No, two minutes is when they have to stop the burn? No, it's two minutes because she's fighting Palmer for like a minute and a half. Okay. This is this is like two this is two minutes until yeah, they have to stop the burn. Uh-huh. So they've already missed their window. If this is the Mars action, if this is Ranger's actual clock, they've already missed the window, haven't they? You're that checks out actually. That can't be right. They I'm can't trying to think miss like, a detail I, like that. Yeah, I'm like, I, I wonder if we're missed because like I, I have to be uh, missing. Something. I'd have to go back and watch the graphics again to see what they're at because there's like a window of burn. But like you're right, I thought I thought clearly it's like they had to shut that off. Clearly, when Palmer's like, you got 12 seconds, Palmer. They're still in that window. They are. Yeah. So this they is haven't the actual sh- clock they're watching. Hmm. Yeah, that might be that. That feels that feels like a a big boner, but. But I'm with you. Surely not. Surely We've just been not. nitpicking. That's just wrong, you know. Yeah, and that's just putting your your uh, lack of attention to detail on screen. There's no way they would do that. Yeah. But yeah, please, if you know what's going on with that clock and the timing of it and the communications lag, let me know. Uh, so Sam continues, or well, Palmer climbs out to Sam's location and, and ambushes her and a battle ensues. He throws her out of the way, almost off the ship, but she catches a handhold and she climbs back up and attacks him just as he's trying to cut through the strap, holding the override handle in place. And he is launched away from the ship and held at the end of his tether, which I, I guess is just the end of it. I like I. I kind of expected him to start reeling himself in, you know, that there's not that much thrust, right? Like, yeah, no, this is a strapping dude. He could definitely pull himself in on this tether. But on the other hand, it's like also too late. But maybe. Yeah, yeah I thought this was all. I also kind of thought someone should have gotten drive coned. I think I felt like someone should have died this episode. Yeah, I. Hmm. Because I expected Palmer to, right? I expected him to go out on the end of the tether and just get disintegrated by that ion drive or whatever. Yeah. The plasma drive. But he doesn't. He just, like, misses it by feet, which I, I, I'm i not like, look, I think in space, if you missed a drive cone by an inch, it's the same as missing by a mile. There's no heat convection. Sure. There's no, apparently yeah, there's yeah. no radiation to worry about. It's just, you know, no, ions just... getting pushed out there. Mm-hmm. Um but it's like one of those things where it's like this was a fight to the death when he threw Massey off the end like shh, that's a death sentence he's trying to kill her yeah he's sure. trying to kill her or at least not caring if she does die I thought it was kind of cheap that he had a tether just long enough to. well I guess that's exactly why you would have a tether that long but I felt like someone should have died but I'm like they're trying not to mo- more morally load this you know yeah. it's just uh, that's what it felt like to me and I think it's probably the right call ultimately because yeah. I don't you know, it lets him get like, him to steal this asteroid, but maybe not to murder people. I, yeah. And when they go with the big like sweeping shot uh, and the music swelling, that would be a different. That'd be a harder thing to pull off if they just fried some dude. You know, I in, think so. In, yeah, in the, in the drive plume. And I don't hate Palmer. I, that's the other thing. Like, I, uh, he seemed like a hard ass at times he seemed like an okay guy at times he's just doing his job he's doing what he thinks is right for humanity i i kind of that's where i say it gets real murky who i'm rooting for here i don't want either of them to die and is it weird but i do want sam to succeed 
Yeah, and it's weird to say I thought Palmer's an odd choice to go out there and intercept Massey. Like, he's the middle-aged, like, manager of the thing. Like, you've got all these young, strapping astronauts. Like, why not send one of them out there? But they wanted the Pal- they wanted Palmer, who's kind of been the heavy, the bad... Yeah. The the left hand of the la- the anti-labor movement, the union busting, to do it, I guess. And look, man, if there's a super dangerous job to be done, mm-hmm. it feels like the, the higher-up should take a little bit of that responsibility. Maybe don't send a peon out there to do this incredibly dangerous thing. Maybe this take a little 50 responsibility and overweight. on yourself. He's oh, taking, he's, he's overweight? He's, he's stout. He's thick. <laughs> He's strong. Yeah. Diabetic. He's in the prime high cholesterol. Of <laughs> bad knees. Glaucoma. Oh, no. Bad knees. In space, knees don't matter. Spastic colon. <laughs> trying to trying to square off against mid thirties prime of life. Hard charging astronaut mass right? Sam Massey. I don't know. She's already killed one guy, hasn't she? Has she? No, I don't think that was her. That was uh What's her name? Who I've forgotten that Ed was falling in love with? Uh, oh, Svetlana. Yeah, Svetlana. Yeah, I was confused them. Uh, all right, Ed's team celebrates their victory, whereas Danielle's team and NASA all sit in stunned silence as the asteroid moves into Mars orbit. The Paul Giamatti-looking guy realizes that somebody tampered with the code, and Arena immediately accuses Alita, but. Margo's there to claim that she did it, which is a pretty good scapegoat. And it's not entirely untrue. It's not entirely untrue, but I feel like an investigation is going to reveal that Aleda was like, come on, this, like, you, you could pull something in mission control. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, maybe she yeah. just, you know, I got the, I typed in the code I got. It was too fast for me to think about what I was. Yeah, typing. I like Margot gave in. me this code. I trusted her. Yeah. The you know, and yeah, I, I guess so she she plays the the patsy, but uh, totally. Yeah, I don't know. The FBI is gonna gonna <laughs> gonna deprive him of oxygen and pump him full of CO two and see what happens. I guess. Uh huh. It, it was just so delicious though when Margot's like, "No, I did it." Arena. Yeah, it look, did look feel me good. in the eye here. Your pet snake just bit you. You right. get what you deserve. Uh, right. Yeah, I love that consequences. It's a toothless thing because um, I don't buy the Russians pulling the diplomatic immunity. Why the fuck would they let Margot be in American custody? Like you saw how hard they fought to punish Svetlana. Yeah. Like I, I understand that like the bullfinch has no maybe that's what they're telling me that the bullfinch has no political power that she's Mm -hmm. already you know persona non grata as soon as she fails this important mission and russia's like i am we want to be you know that that president k whatever his name is wants to be just completely done with this whole thing and move on save fate so they just like don't care about margo but i thought that's that's they're letting her off the hook man i'd much rather be in u.s custody than russian custody for fuck i mean yeah 10 times out of 10 and 10 times on sunday it's yeah it's crazy (laughs) I'm with you. I was like, oh, Margaret got off easy here. Um, so we get a news report on the status of Goldilocks going into Mars orbit, and there's an emergency meeting of the M7 called. Uh, that's all kind of just news stories. And then we see 
Danielle, who sees Bishop unloading a whole bunch of weapons to go raid the North Korean module, and she tries to stop it, but he doesn't acknowledge her orders because he's got orders from higher up. Um, this is where, I mean, Danielle's just fully lost control of the space. I do wonder what consequences there's going to be for Danielle. Probably not much. I mean, uh, yeah, how could you possibly pin something on her? Like, she had no knowledge. Like, this is stuff the CIA yeah. and the KGB were doing on their own. Like, I think if anyone comes out... I don't think she'll out, be called in to lead the next uh, Mars mission, but... And you know what? Throw me in that briar patch, uh, she says. I Yeah, I do... Yeah, I, I she's like, good. Blacklist yeah. me. Don't ever get me... <laughs> don't ever get me out of Earth's orbit. I just want to yeah. retire with my grandbabies grandma and watch now. Star Trek. Yeah. Yep. Apparently they only have three three series to get through though. Did you catch this? Oh yeah, we're gonna talk. We got we're gonna talk about that in feedback. All right, cool. I've, um, I've got some answers. Me too. Me too. Uh, so the Russian spy continues beating Gerardo and Miles when Ilya and his ass beaters break in and beat the shit out of him, rescuing Gerardo and Miles. Uh, this is where things start to get really exciting. Like, as soon as Miles was like, you know what? Uh, let's send them a reminder of who really runs this base. I'm like, fuck yes. I this, was too. I got fucking pumped. This is the this is the moment where my heart starts beating fast. I'm like, give give what you just got. Yeah. Because justice needs to be served. Why does Ilya come in to the rescue? Another drop thread because they I think they were ready to serve that plot with him being like, hey, I'm never going to forget this, Ilya. They needed him to do something for Ilya. Nice of his own free will for Ilya to feel like him running into the to 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 rescue would be something believable. A conversation with him and Sam, maybe that's just like, no, I don't hold it against Miles. Is this is just. This just is the business. Game. Yeah, yeah, this is the business. And I was getting too old for it. Yeah, something. But it's like, as it is, it just feels like another kind of misconnection where I want to go with it. There's nothing that says I couldn't, but like, it'd be nice for you guys to actually make that connection. Yeah. I'm with you. Um, I mean, I, I know it's like, well, I thought you always say uh, show don't tell, Aaron. Yes, but you got to do one or the other. <laughs> you got to do you something. You can't show me, tell me, but you can't not show, not tell. And, you know, that's that's not good storytelling either. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so Ed sees the, the goon squad coming, and like I said, Ilya gets word. Uh, and Miles decides to send them a reminder of who really runs the base. All of the Helios workers make their way to the North Korean module. A riot breaks out. Danielle goes down there to stop it, but her and Ed end up kind of caught up in it, too. And the guy who stole the gun earlier decides now's the time to whip it out. And he gets attacked. The gun goes off, and it hits Danielle in the chest. Um... And then they they take Daniel to the med bay where uh, they're going to operate on her, but it's not looking good. Dude, uh, I love Lee ordering his men to protect our territory, and they're like all like they don't understand what's going on, but yeah, they can they can definitely mix it up with the Americans trying to bully their way into their territory. Miles fucked up Bishop so bad with that lead pipe Martian deal that I couldn't believe that he was breathing. I right. thought that was like a lethal blow. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it just looks like he like hits him with a titanium hammer and, and, and yeah, nothing. Yeah, right to the temple. And you know what's funny is like I I've, I said this many times. Like I just got done watching The Gilded Age on HBO 
and it's about you know this kind of robber baron era of of organized labor starting to you know unite against the conglomerates and fight for the things that we take for granted weekends eight hour work weeks overtime sick pay um and I know this was set in the corridors of Mars and not like in the streets of New York and Philadelphia, but it's the ex- like seeing mm-hmm. people this this fight is exactly the same. Like people had to fight and bleed for the things that we take for granted today and I don't know, I thought it was really interesting that I think I wonder like if if we have to go through another period of that and you know uh in, in, in the decades to come like what will we think about this in in the 21st century, but it looked exactly like every other labor riot I've ever seen. You know, as people mm-hmm. just like just just desperate scuffling, blood, teeth flying everywhere. Yeah, I'm I'm really hopeful that all the uh, mechanisms that we've developed for checks and balances and giving people more power over their lives will uh, hold up over the coming turmoil. But there's a lot of turmoil coming. Yeah, um, a, lot, a lot of people tearing out those systems, those safety valves too, which is kind of scary. But yeah, uh, but I look at it and I'm like, are we better or worse off than we were a uh, hundred years ago with this stuff? Well, there's a hell of a lot more mechanisms in place, right, for people yeah, well, to express their their desires and power. Hey, and, and yeah, we're we're doing better. Um, so hopefully, the next thing that the next round of this stuff that has to happen will not be as violent and bloody. Um, it'll be a little more civilized and just as effective. Like Mulder says, I'm, I'm, uh, I want to believe. Um, mm. I did think it's because, like, there's like when the gun goes off, I'm like, well, there's one of two things that are going to happen. This is going to sober everyone right the fuck up, or this is going to really kick off the blood. Like, you know, it's like, oh my god, they're killing yeah. people now. It's going to, and and probably through the force of will of Ed and. Like it, you know, like Ed just like just just clears a path. Like get the hell out of my way. I get Danny to the sick bay. And like mm-hmm. I said, I don't. I, I still don't. I don't still think Ed ever respected Danielle as a fellow astronaut. Like I still think he thought she was a diversity hire and all the like. I think he saw it some ugly stuff. But he does clearly care about her, like on a friend level, and doesn't want to see her die. And sure. is ready to completely set aside the asteroid, everything else, just to get her to safe. And I. Because, you know, we talked, that's all we talked about next week, last week, is how, like, the writing's on the wall. Danielle's going to die. I was already waterworking. And I, what did you think about that long shot on the hallway where they're, like, going and seeing everybody shocked, looking at everybody, you know, uh, working on Danny, and they linger on the CIA goon, and then they linger on Miles? Like, I viscerally didn't like that scene. I think I liked it. I I was I I wasn't feeling that scene as much as I was thinking about that scene while it was happening. I'm like, what are they mm. trying to tell me here? And it was more of an intellectual exercise than I what I feel like it should have been, which is yes, me feeling and understanding it intuitively. But I but while I was thinking about it, I'm like, oh yeah, th- no, this what they're trying to do here is effective. It's working. Which t- to me, what they're trying to do there is show like all of these people with all of these competing ideas on what needs to happen uh what 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 is what is their goal you know sometimes they're at odds sometimes they're not and here we are that we've gotten to this place and it's a moment of sobriety yeah i just wish that we could have spent a little bit more time with ed and danny and like deal you know like 
because that's the people I care about, you know. Ed, Danny, and Kelly are in that room, and and I guess uh, uh, Dimitri. But it's like we were pulled out of that. Like I was rushed out of that room, and then I'm standing with a bunch of strangers in the hallway. Is what it felt like to me. And like the the weird like lingering on the CIA guys. Like what the hell is that? But but you're right. I felt like they were trying to do something rather than just like let us have that moment. But also it it I I was a, a little bit mollified when it turns out that good Danny didn't die. You know, if she yeah. had been dead and that's the last time we saw her alive, I would have been like, why the fuck are we doing this long pan down the hallway of anonymous assholes? Like who gives a shit? Mm-hmm. But she didn't die. So thank God. Don't have to riot. Yeah. Um, and we, we get our first Kelly sighting this episode, which felt also a little weird. Like, Oh, you're, yeah. you're going to bring her in here now. Sure. And not do and anything with her. I liked a little bit of the irony of like Danny potentially getting Ed's death, the good death, you know, going out boots on guns blazing while he's yeah. the one that's trying to court it. She's tried to avoid it. She just wants to get back to her grandbabies and star Trek and, he wants to die in a blaze of glory and she's going to get mm. his death and he's going to be condemned to be the, I was like, I was like, man, that's kind of interesting, but I'm glad they didn't do it. Cause I would yeah. have, oof, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what I'd done if they'd killed Danny. Thank God they didn't. Um, it's kind of, this is sort of the Dana Ma here, but not really. Uh, not yet. We, we see Margo taken into custody by the FBI after the Russians withdrew her diplomatic immunity and Aleda hugs her as she's escorted out in chains. Uh, we see her name has been vandalized on the plaque out there. Um, I I really like this scene. I think if I this too. is going to be the bookend for Aleda and Margot, it's kind of perfect. And like I said, it pairs with you know the the sort of hands off nature of these characters dealing with difficult emotional uh, baggage. It, it culminates in them. Yeah, this is the last chance she's going to get to say anything to Margot. And she says it physically. Also, I'm because I'm a, a big Molly Cobb stan. I like that this is the definitive end to the argument that they started last season. Like, Ma- Margot's getting frog mar- marched out of Molly's house, and her name <laughs> is scratched out of the list of dead and disgrace. Like, sure, Molly's she up in. Molly's up in heaven smoking a dude being like, that's right, bitch. <laughs> they got gotcha. you, you know? <laughs> uh-huh. Yep, good stuff. Um, And then Arena going back to uh, Star City here where she finds oh, agents awaiting her in her office. Uh, pretty ominous looking. And we, we sort of get a voiceover here from Marga summing up the season, which is the sort of messy nature of right and wrong and this is all apparently happening during her testimony at her trial she says something to a judge specifically yeah this is her like trying to her sentencing speech or whatever um i get i i know i broke a lot of world laws and probably going to write a lot of in, in space laws that are going to be <laughs> that will that that uh couldn't be broken because no one knew they could but here's what mm-hmm. i think about things I, it is nice because it's like you know i keep going back to like this being a referendum on how you feel about the american revolution if you were forced to live through it and you know, America had a lot of bad things that went into its formation and a lot of bad faith actors, a lot of terrible things kind of baked into its bones. And yet, you know, 200 
almost 50 years later um yeah what can you you know like a good bad or indifferent uh it's 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 been a huge impact on the world and the idea that sometimes you get to these inflection points in history where a few people go in yolo changes things for better or worse um and it's an open question i like how it's an open question of what did things change for the better like are yeah. we rooting like it, it, there, there's a lot to be said about taking an asteroid back to earth and helping six billion people rather than mm-hmm. a few hundred you know thousand scientists to explore mars you know that's yeah. a real that i don't know that the show definitively answers like it's it's all gonna be like i guess we've got three more seasons hopefully uh to see how it unfolds but i i really like that you know yeah, and that being sort of a long play, uh, sort of wing and a prayer thing where, like, we're hoping that space exploration will lead somewhere good for everybody, but we don't really know that. Whereas you take that back to Earth, it probably would do a lot of good. Um, yeah. Right here and now. So, yeah, it's complicated. I don't I don't have an answer, and it's it's kind of the... It's my favorite part of this season. Like I said, mm. they, they landed that uh, craft pretty well. What do you think of all the crashing the asteroid on Mars theories that were flying around last week? Or I don't know, maybe you weren't aware of it since you were febrile. No, I was but not. There's a lot of people like because like the idea of like, well, if a, if something is parked in Martian orbit, it can be unparked. Um, and the idea was like the Mar the the dev was going to smash the asteroid on the the surface of Mars to a make it easier to mine and b to make sure the Earth can't steal it back. And make sure that it scours the face of the planet of any life whatsoever. I, well, that was the the, the max cynical option. He's gonna he's gonna intentionally crash it into that one crater that that Kelly was studying for life because it was like established. It was like on the other side of the world, like four thousand kilometers away. And I, this, the, what the, I I think you crash this into Mars and it wouldn't fuck up the whole planet. You know. It's barely no, any sh- I mean, atmosphere it's... to carry a shockwave. It's it's like what? It's, it's a hundred cl- yeah, yeah, it's like yeah. Know. I don't I don't know how it did that. But obviously that's Mars, not but... that's not happened. And I, my yeah. my response is like they. I think they positioned this as like a once in a lifetime opportunity. It's like you know the with, with the second Voyager probe or maybe it's the first one, the grand tour of the solar system that they slingshotted and they were able to see all the four outer planets for the first time. And it was like. Like there's like a there's like a six month window we can do this and it won't be open for another seventy years, and sometimes it's like that. Like you know the solar system is mm-hmm. not obliged to give you gravity assist to any place you want. So like my my thought was like if if they didn't get this slingshot, the opportunity to get it redirected to Earth safely and efficiently is just gone. It's just it's a once in a lifetime opportunity, and Mars has got it now. So if Earth mm-hmm. wants if Earth wants any of it, they're gonna have to go through Mars. So I think. I don't know that that's a plot hole. I'm curious to see how other people feel about it. FAM at baldmove.com if you got some thoughts. And we'll talk about it. All right. uh, Let's talk about something that I find fairly implausible. Uh, It's been been a thread this entire season, practically. It's Lee's wife. Horseshit. We see Lee's wife smuggled in. A crate of horseshit. A crate. Yeah, Helios crate. She's unloaded at the base, and not only is she unloaded, but what? I don't know. Half the population of North Korea comes out of this fucking crate. <laughs> they have smuggled not just one human being, but a whole gaggle of human beings up onto Mars. Presumably, it's anybody the, who wanted to go. 
<laughs> it's maybe the new Willy world. Wonka did a golden ticket thing. I don't know, but this is buck wild. This could. This is insane. Especially the fact that the fact that this was a clandestine mission. The, the, like I, because here's the thing: they want us to be like, well, this is an America in you know, 1620. Like if you you can get on a boat and cross the Atlantic Ocean, you can start a new life. It is not no. anywhere. Like I get it. Leonardo is not stowing away on <laughs> the next mission to Mars. It's not going to happen. Yeah, you need atmosphere and food and water and you know, like even for a four week journey, like you couldn't stow. Like I, I thought, yeah, You're I, I wish they come up from steerage, steal a cupcake, and retreat back to you know eat it. And right. live for another day like right. the air alone for these people in this tiny ass crate you need a month's supply at minimum yeah. for these people and that's with no margin of error no i wish they had just left this ambiguous i would because like i because i the thing is like the whole the whole year we've been saying like how how in the hell are you ever going to get this woman out of north korea then into a clandestine cargo onto and doing it and have like 30 people come out of there like a clown car it's just yeah stupid. it's absurd it, this stupid. is the dumbest thing. I I hate this. And Lee's like, oh, whoa, whoa, face. Like, how would you not know this, dude? How would you not know that your wife was on a manifest of thirty people? Like, why would Miles? Like, I just, uh, it's uh, that's yeah. It's just I thought it's. And dumb. why is Miles risking life and limb here to get thirty random people up here? Also, it's. I mean, I the fact that people want to get to Mars because it's the new world, capital N, capital W, that checks out. It's just sure. and if. And if, it, if you told me that like five years later this was happening, but like on the cusp of the asteroid being stolen and the hot, like, do you know how vindictive Earth would be? Like, it would take like Dev and Ed years of negotiation to norm, like, of like co- coaxing and being like, look, we got this fat asteroid up here just rotten, you know. We we we're food self sufficient. We can wait as long as you want, but eventually you're gonna want the and like I just it's just an ultimate shortcut. However, yeah. let's get to the next scene so I can talk about something I actually like unironically love with all of my heart. Danielle makes it back to Earth alive and gets to see her granddaughter. Dude, I almost bl- I was crying so hard the first time I saw this. Like I saw Danny in the wheelchair, instantly started sobbing. She smiles and gets up from the chair. She's not paralyzed or nothing. I'm sobbing harder. Yeah. She sees her grandbaby just <laughs> ugly cry. I, I I can't even see the screen. Uh, I had to rewind. And this is this fucked up thing. I, I, I couldn't see or hear what was going on. So I rewound it to see what I missed. And I'm like, oh, my God, she's she's crying. It's and she's worse. laughing because she I, this destroyed me, dude. This. Wow. This is like the crying equivalent of like when you're throwing up and you've like thrown up like so many times you can't and just dry heaving. That's what my tear ducts were doing. I was like, oh my God, because I was convinced she was dead. So when she was like fine and reunited with her beautiful family and they're all smiling. (sighs) I do really love the, it's not necessarily a fake out, but I love the idea that like, okay, we're going to wheel these asses. She's been on Mars uh, her muscles are atrophying for months at a time here. Let's wheel her to where she needs to oh, be. I didn't even think of but that. But then you're yeah. like, oh no, she's been paralyzed or she's going to have some diminished quality of life now. And then she stands up and you're like, oh, that makes sense. Yes. Yeah. I, I, I was so happy on the first time through. I just felt like my heart was going to burst that she survived this fucking season. <laughs> you know? yeah, I did not want her to die on Mars. No, she didn't want to die on Mars. So I, I didn't con- want her to. 
Convinced she would, though, man. I was convinced she would. Yeah, I definitely thought she could have been dead at the end of the previous scene with her. I gotta say, I do think somebody should have died. Somebody, like someone in the Ed, Danny, Kelly tier, Miles, Sam. Al Gore summarily executed Eli. <laughs> Marv! <laughs> he calls Steel Team 6 and has him executed uh-huh. for failing the fatherland. Yeah, no, that would have... Uh... Yeah, Tim or whatever comes down and does it personally himself. Mar- Marv hangs himself in his his uh, his office from the disgrace. And some, <laughs> somebody, somebody, I feel like. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, it worked Maybe for me. Margo gets, 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 it's her turn to get the Big Mac. Yep. Something. Could be. Shanked in her cell, I don't know. Uh, Dev drinks in the view from his new home uh, up on Mars. The edge of this massive crater. This crater's big on Mars. Didn't realize. Mm-hmm. Huge. Uh, and it's 2012 now. And mining is just in full swing at Kuznetsov Station. Kuz got his own station. He does. What a what a fucking Chad. I really I I didn't know this song by name, but I like it. It's like it definitely yeah. they say they do a really good job of like defining the era with not like something you would just like oh that's you know that's 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 the song of the era, but it kind of captures the feel. It's uh, Midnight City by M eighty three. Oh, they're like okay. a they're like a French techno band or something. Um, yeah, I don't. I'm very familiar with the song. I'm not at all familiar with the name. Same, same. But I I thought it was a perfect you know another one of those perfect throwing the ball ten years into the future. And like I said, I'm I'm I saw that Kutnitsov station and I'm like I'm in for another season. But mm-hmm. I'm speaking directly to Matt Woolport and Ben Nadivi here. Guys, tighten the shit up. You guys, this is not you have spoiled us in terms of characters and plotting and pul- and then it, it, it pounds our pulse. It gets us all excited, hot and bothered. This is not good enough. This is not up to your guys' standards. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I don't know what went wrong. I don't know what got away from you. But if this is going to be a successful enterprise, USS NCC class, you got to get this shit tightened down. We can't have nacelles falling off, okay? For sure. Yeah, I want to see a return to form next season. Yeah. Uh, but that's the end of this one. Uh, Well, we have a lot of feedback. Okay. What are we going to do should with that? We, should we get to that now? That sounds good to me. All right. Uh, send us feedback. Uh, we'll probably do a season review uh, uh, wrap-up, I imagine, unless there's just like crickets from feedback. But I don't think that's going to be the case. We'll see. We'll be back right after this spacewalk. You've been listening to quite a few Bald Move podcasts now, but you're not in the club? Whoo boy, you are missing out. Not only are all of our premium club podcast feeds completely ad-free, but we have lots of other great content exclusively for people in the club. There's a weekly lunch with Jim and Aaron where we chat with fans about anything and everything from TV and films, food, fun, life advice, and more. But there's also Off the Clock, our premium podcast where we talk about all the shows we don't have time for on our public feeds. 
Plus, you get access to our full spoiler-filled first-round movie reviews of our newly released films. Don't forget Instant Take and Talk Podcast, where we give our hot takes and discuss television shows with our fans live and immediately after the episode airs. With mega shows like House of the Dragon coming this summer, we're going to have lots to talk about. Not to mention access to our fun and friendly community of club members with exclusive Discord channels and a dedicated forum. It's one of the best places on the internet to hang out and chat about pop culture. Bottom line, you're helping two regular type guys in the Midwest make the content you like to listen to, which some would say is reward unto itself. Help keep the lights on and the bits flowing at Bald Move. And get some awesome content for yourself. Head to support.baldmove.com to join the club today. Strap in, we're diving into more for all mankind. Uh, FAM at baldmove.com is how you send feedback. And of course, uh, follow us on all our social medias at baldmove, except for TikTok. We're at baldestmove there. And uh, if you like what we've done throughout the season, uh, which is try to be honest fans of the television that we love uh, and that we can share our passions with you, uh, we would love to have your support. Support.baldmove.com is how you can get extra bonus content and ad free feeds. Who doesn't want that? And you keep bald move moving baldly uh jim you want to take this first one uh sure jack p writes in says how has the substation office not been discovered yet ah yes man after my own heart here uh they keep ransacking the poor working folks quarters without even thinking to search the sub levels they already know that the black market deals happened down there and that a bar was being operated for a long time how do you not immediately search every square inch of the pressurized area of the station how do you have cameras down there in the first how do you not have cameras down there in the first place why are you not or why are you interrogating and beating miles ass before even checking down there feels like a plot hole not the first of the season certainly still enjoying though hope for a nice clean heist welcome back uh from the holidays and feel better soon jim thank you i do feel better not 100 percent, but better i'm glad to have you back and also you know special special thanks to uh B. Michael for uh, helping helping us uh, break it down last week in, mm-hmm. in Jim's absence, but I, I'm glad you're back too. Obviously, yeah, we wondered the same thing. This is another. This is for these sure. are things that need to be tightened down next episode because this is something that's not really on my radar and still till like B brought it up last week and the you know Jack here brought it up, but like yeah, it it does like with the timeline that we had where it's months it's hard to believe that no one thought to look down here, that no one noticed anybody, especially in the second round of searches. Like, okay, the first round, you know, doesn't turn anything up. Well, we've searched the whole station. Second round. Where have we not searched? Not only that, but like for a whole month, these people have to work shifts down here. It's not like they're just going down there and that's the one time like multiple times a day. They're going up and down. They're moving food and supplies down there. Like it's hard to believe that in this one central elevator, that no one ever noticed something unusual going on. I don't know. I, I did find it funny when Miles is about to go in there to the elevator to, mm-hmm. you know, get to the fourth floor or whatever. And one of the workers comes in and he has to do like an about face of pretending he's reading something. Yeah. So he can be the only one in the elevator. Yeah. I like it. imagine all the dudes that are loading like the ghost op stuff. 
And they just got plotted like they're like, oh, let me hold the door for you. Oh, no, no, we'll take the next one. There is not a next one. There's only one elevator in this whole fucking base. Oh, it'll be fine. <laughs> like, nothing weird in a high security checkpoint atmosphere where you got to show papers to go from the mess to your hallway. Yeah, it's you're on to something there, Jack. Let's move on to an actual murderous bear who says they've been loving the coverage this season. I still love the show, but damn, it sure does feel like this season has been committing so many unforced errors with the lack of focus on details or hand-waving certain things away. At first, I thought Aaron in particular is being too harsh, but nah. The whole time Margo and Sergey were chatting about Alayda's dining room table, not exactly quietly, I might act, about defecting Brazil, I was waiting uh, for a cut to Alayda hearing this. It does feel like she's warming up to Margot slightly since she's been helping her with Sergey, but what if hearing this sets her off and she talks? A lot of people are wondering if Margot or Aleda or both had it in for Sergey. It doesn't seem like it. He says, I also laughed when Margot told Sergey she can't just run off because she's watched 24-7. I could also hear Jim in the background screaming, well, how did you go to di- the diner then, Margot? <laughs> yeah. See, they, the, the, the Marine and the KGB oh. spook only follow her closely when she's inside the NASA building. You know, outside yeah. it's like you know, like, uh, you're you're on your own recognizance. Also, it's also insane. Can I point out one thing that is absolutely do it? Uh, it kills me. And as as people who film things for a living, maybe more detail should be paid. They know this. They know this fact. What happens when it gets dark outside and you turn a light on in your living room? Do you think people can see you? Yes. What do you do when you don't want people to see you in that state? You close the fucking blinds, right? Yes. They have. They are sitting in the dining room of Aleda's house, blinds open, like just full window open, and they're like totally secure in the fact that no one can see them with the fucking lights on. The blinds hey, are open hey. in other rooms. Like, the, 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 ah, it kills me. Close the blinds at night if you don't want people he- seeing you. He parked two blocks away and cut through a neighbor's backyard. All right. Yeah, only to completely fuck up the subterfuge when he sits in front of this window. Ironclad spycraft. So stupid. So stupid. Uh, you cannot leave the blinds open at night and expect people not to see you. Murder Bear says also another insane thing. It's insane. Sergey just left his wife and job on a whim, and there have been zero <laughs> mentions of that since. So you now she dare. gets to find out He's how he killed himself. To he killed himself in a random Texas motel yep. eating a catched up Big Mac. <laughs> he says, faux Margot deserved better. I agree. Like, you She's think of it from her complex. perspective, this is insane. Mm-hmm. Well, th- this is a man who couldn't stand being around me. He ran away. He thought he was going to live a different life, apparently, and then he killed himself because he realized it was all too much. Yeah. 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 No, it's it's crazy. All right, uh, Maxwell writes in, says, in your coverage of episode nine, Brazil, you mentioned the Monroe Doctrine and wondered if the Soviets ever operated and assassinated anyone in the Americas. I think you specifically mentioned North and Central America. Most famous example, which immediately came to mind, was the assassination of Leon Trotsky, 1940, at his home in Mexico City by Spanish communist and NKVD, which is pre-KGB agent, Ramon Mercader. I didn't do any research on other Soviet assassinations in the Americas, but knowing a bit about the audacious nature of the Soviet Union, I'd be amazed if they hadn't. So I actually looked into this because I'm like, okay. Um, And I guess, yeah, I I found an article that kind of broke down all the Soviet uh, assassinations that we know of. 
again that we know of and it is rare but the soviets did assassinate political targets uh they did it in new york city back in 1937 uh as he mentioned mexico city in 1940 washington dc of all places in 1941 uh it does seem like these were all confined to like the stalin era you know in like a time when the u.s it uh, had a very strong strong motivation to be nice with the Soviets because we were supporting them in the war against Hitler and whatnot. But like, yeah, I got to concede that uh, the Russians are, have not been shy about Assad, even in the capital of the United States. Um, and these were all political. These were all like, uh, uh, what do you call, I guess, traitors to the motherland, people that Stalin had a boner mm. against or ex intelligence, like double agents, uh, people like that. But uh, gotcha. Yeah. Uh, Maxwell continues here. He says, the other feedback I had was about you guys repeatedly saying that Kuz was the Soviet cosmonaut commander for the Apollo-Soyuz mission. Uh, this is incorrect. The marvelously mustachioed Stephen Alexeev was the Soviet commander for Apollo-Soyuz. Uh, unless I'm mistaken, which is not entirely impossible, the first time Danielle met Kuz was after the Soviets blew their fusion drive during the race to Mars and had to be rescued. If you recall, there was a great deal of tension as Danielle continued, rightly so, to act as the commander for all on board. Kuz repeatedly reminded her not to give orders to his cosmonauts. I would have sworn on a stack of Bibles a mile high that this Alexeev was the same guy as Kuz. Because um, they like Kuz has got the like more of the full beard, and the other guy, like you said, is very mustachioed. But I, I thought they were setting up Danielle and his friendship way back to like season two. I, yeah, I just uh, yeah, clearly that was a boner. Yeah, so I appreciate the correction on that. Next is Frank. He says in your discussion about which original characters would survive in season five, Good Danny, Ed, and Margot were discussed. Do you overlook President Ellen Wilson? Perhaps she decides to use her post presidency to influence Mars, NASA, national cooperation. Who knows? But she and Pam could be effective in season five. Yeah, I just Ellen feels like she's definitively put out the pasture. You know, like I know she's yeah, young totally. enough that she could still be um, uh, uh, kind of a vital force. I just I don't know if I if I if I see it. So but yeah, I mean, egg on my face if I'm wrong. Yeah, uh, I don't know. Maybe they'll realize they have a shortage of characters we care about and bring one of them back. Uh, we'll see. All right, Josh writes, why would someone buy a Big Mac, get it ready to eat, and then commit suicide before consuming it? That's some sloppy assassin work, if you ask me. Well, have you eaten a Big Mac lately? Yeah, this he he stared into the eyes of the Big Mac. He mm-hmm. realized this was all he had to look forward to. <laughs> yeah. And, and did the inevitable. You stare into the abyss and the thousand eyes of the abyss with its sesame seeds stare back. And uh, yeah, but but really, it's like, I think that's maybe, I don't know, that, that could be because that's like a big joke about like a Soviet assassination attempts. Like, oh, the guy commits suicide. He shot himself three times in the back of the head. Like mm-hmm. maybe they're proving a, they're doing a point. But yeah, it is funny. The guy's so depressed at seeing the big back that he just blew his brains out. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah it didn't look like the photo on the menu <laughs> mm-hmm. they didn't give like, him enough ketchup packets crisp lettuce. <laughs> they didn't give him enough ketchup packets mm-hmm. or like margo uh, they put other shit on it like he lifts it up he sees the mayonnaise or the 
the secret sauce on the, the Big secret Mac. sauce. Like, nah, no. Special uh, sauce. Uh, special. The special sauce. That's what it is. Nicole says, watching this penultimate episode, I was reminded of the scene earlier this season when Kelly was watching an old video message from Karen, where Karen was talking about how excited she was for the baby and how she thinks Kelly's going to be a great mom. The message is likely sent shortly before her death. I think we're supposed to remember that scene as we watch Danielle send a video message to her son talking about how she can't wait to be home and be a grandma. I think it's likely that Danielle will die, but I really hope they zag here. I know sometimes storytellers resist giving their audience what they want and expect, which can mean not giving their characters what they want or expect. But I don't think it would be a bad thing to let Ed and Danny both get what they want. Ed dying in some foolhardy gambit on Mars and Danny going home to spend the rest of her life peacefully with her family. They swerved so hard. They zagged so hard that nobody got anything the way they wanted, except for, I guess, Danny. Um, yeah, I forgot about died. the Karen message and how that was right before another mom died. Like, they were really laying the tracks. In fact, oh, yeah. you, what are the odds that that was like a very last minute decision? Like Danny dying or living? Uh, it's possible. I mean, when all you need to do is film a quick scene uh you can decide that of last like moment, her but... family celebrating like you know and her husband looking thoughtfully at a picture of danielle on the mantle and like a tear going yeah like you could have mm-hmm. done it and it would either way but... it's a 10 second scene right so <laughs> and i still think this is a fairly lethal show they did kill coos this year uh other people died um yeah. i won't feel any less concerned about any main characters in the future just not a lot of main characters i care to the level of the original cast yet that's a mm-hmm. that's definitely something they have to do next year they have to restock these shelves with good characters and they're they're behind like they should they, they should have been doing it for a couple seasons now and i think they've they've slacked off a bit all right the irish monk writes in and says in the latest episode the difference in the quantity of the storylines has become really obvious or, sorry not quantity <laughs> quality which has a quantity all its own. own. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, (laughs) The difference in the quality of the storylines has become really obvious. Compare Margot's arc to the worker strike and the contraband storylines. Made me wonder about the division of labor in the writer's room on this show and Ron Moore's role in keeping the quality consistent. Uh, I think it was on one of your shows that I heard David S. Goyer talking about the importance of this regarding foundation do you think this lumpy season can be easily avoided for future seasons, or is this a typical of Moore's shows? Ho, ho, oh, I see. You're taking shots at Battlestar, huh? <laughs> no, 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 no. I, first of all, everyone says that Ron Moore is not on the show anymore. Like, he's very barely involved. Yeah, he still gives interviews. Like, have you noticed he's given, like, season four interviews and stuff? Like, he's almost, like, still the showrunner. But, um, I... I don't know if this is because I heard that last season was the first year that he completely stepped away and left things that Pat, uh, Matt Wolpart and Ben uh, Nadivi. And if so, I definitely think I see a slight, I, I, like I said, I think I saw a slight decrease in quality of the show last season. I think I see another decrease this season. So maybe this is, they just don't quite have it the way he's got the ability to, and that's, what's nice about a straight showrunners don't write with rare exceptions don't write the entire scripts and all that stuff. But what they do oh, yeah. is they kind of like lead the writer's room. They lead the breaking down of scripts. They make sure everyone's got the eyes on everything. They're smoothing things over and they're bringing things together. They're like the, the head chef of a kitchen, you know, you got sous chefs mm-hmm. and 
sauciers and all that stuff and you're the one bringing it together and plating it and serving it to the and I feel like that that is that that whatever the last few seasons I feel like it's just all the ingredients aren't quite coming together so you might be on something Irish monk I don't know I don't I'm not a, I'm not plugged in enough to Hollywood to know what's going on here but there's something going on yeah. here I don't like it <laughs> uh, Jerry says I was listening to your podcast with B. Michael on the episode Brazil there's a discussion started about some of the feedback regarding the theory that the plan is to actually crash the asteroid into Mars rather than just capture an orbit uh, while I totally agree this makes the most sense to secure it and prevent Earth forces from being able to slingshot it back to Earth, I wonder what Dev's true motivation is. To control the asteroid to mine its resources resources for the benefit of Mars or something more? He sent Kelly to search for life in a huge crater filled with ice. This is where we suspect the asteroid to be crashed, but would it superheat the ice, vaporizing the water? Could this be the first step towards terraforming? Terraforming. Dev states his intentions is to never leave Mars, mining the iridium purely for financial benefit, but that doesn't seem like his actual end game. Wouldn't the next step in colonization be to terraform? I think that's Dev's, Dev's true agenda and curious to what you think. Jim, I, I think you tried. Oh. I'm not sure if you actually finished. Did you? Because because to me, I see so many obvious parallels but where, to where this show is and Kim Stanley Robinson's Red, Green, Blue Mars trilogy. Yeah, there was something about that first book that I it just didn't grab me. Maybe I need to go mm. back and try it again. But um, I, I, hmm, a first step to something because I, I I look at the, the idea of terraforming, and I, <laughs> I look at the way it's been done in Star Trek, and I'm like, okay, they don't have a Genesis device. Mm-hmm. They're not gonna they're not gonna flip a switch and terraform this place. Uh, terraforming is a process and it's a long process. It's something that is never going to be complete in Dev's lifetime. But I mean, I, I could see him, you know, maybe making moves to that. I think it's a little premature for that though. I think, you know, he just won this battle. I don't think he's thinking that far ahead, but maybe he is. And in, in the Red Mars book, the climax of that, one of the scientists hijacks a water ice comet and puts it into a highly oblique orbit mm. of Mars. So every week or so, it's it kisses the atmosphere, warms up, drops some water, some water vapor into the atmosphere. And I think over the course of like 100 years, it puts it displaces all of its water onto the planet, which leads to, you know, just just kickstarts their terraforming operation. And I kind of thought that's my i'm even i might even said that in the preview that that's something that maybe could could happen uh i think that they there's that they'd be remiss if they haven't read you know this trilogy sure Uh, sure. if they haven't gone back to read zubrin's case for mars things like that this is so funny because this is like zubrin's nightmare scenario where it's like oh my god they've gone all in on the moon they got the battlestar galactica approach to colonizing mars this is great but like it does seem like they're kind of playing jazz with it because hmm. yeah, if this was the red Mars playbook. They wouldn't that he, he would have done something terraformy with that asteroid rather than just mining it for iridium. So I do think dev is a bit of an enigma. I think dev is still figuring himself out. Like he has found the way, um, snatching jaws from the victory defeat, finding a way to become that great man that is still serving his own interest and his own vain glory, but also unquestionably moving human progress forward. Um, I'm very curious to see what they do with him moving because he's one, he's like, what do you think is mid forties, early fifties? 
he's good for another two oh, three yeah, seasons yeah. easy and he's yeah, like if, the ben franklin of mars if ed's george sure. washington he's you know like ben franklin and what miles is i don't know thomas jefferson like these these are the founding fathers of mars they're going to be especially miles and dev they'll be big figures in, in future seasons for sure yeah it seemed like if if I can look at Dev's actions and say what is he trying to do, he's trying to continue the space race, right? He's he's trying he's trying to give them a reason to continue supporting Mars yes. from Earth, so they don't give he's, up. He's aligned with Margo. He's aligned with everybody who's realized, oh yeah, we actually don't have a lot of reason to be out here, um, and and Will is faltering at this point. So mm-hmm. give him a financial incentive. Yeah. All right, uh, Giovanna writes in and says, during episode nine, when Danielle is recording the message for her family, she talks about watching all three Star Trek series with her grandchild. In our timeline, there's five live action Star Trek series by 2003. So which Star Trek shows do you think never happened just because the Soviets landed on the moon first? We were talked about, or like we, we both kind of alluded to this. You say you've got, I've got some research on this. You said you've got some research on this. What did you, what you, what you make of this conundrum? Uh, I read some quotes from Ron Moore that I think you might have mined here too, talking about an undeveloped Star Trek show that was in the works. It was called Star Trek Phase Two, um, and they never ended up doing that. They ended up going with like the motion picture instead, and. In in Ron Moore's head, in his idea for this, the canon of this world, they actually never made the motion picture. Instead, they made Star Trek Phase 2. And so Star Trek, the original series, and Star Trek Phase 2 would be two of the four certain series. And there are a couple of other possibilities that the third one could be. Um, I think you can say DS9 and Voyager never got made. The other two possibilities are they are including in that three the animated series, which that's uh, what I'm maybe because that that would have been out by now. Um, or or by was, the time it's almost phase certainly two. in the works in 1969. Because his whole yeah. theory is the space race continuation of space race continued America's appetite in science fiction, and it never kind of petered out like it did in our timeline. Right. So, so you didn't have this big gap, and it wasn't as much of a risk for what the other series that it could be, which is Star Trek: The Next Generation. Maybe yeah. you have that. Yeah, I saw some person get like to Star Trek Enterprise, but it seemed like it was pretty motivated reasoning. But uh, the yeah, the fact yeah. that they just went because like Phase Two, the all the pre-production and kind of right the went into that went into the motion picture. So you don't have the motion picture, you just have phase two. And then he said the Wrath of Khan comes out a year later, but it's essentially the same the same story because it's perfect. So Yeah, which wouldn't have been Star Trek 2, right? It would have just been Star Trek yeah. The Wrath of Khan. Isn't that so funny that in the better, more spacey timeline, they get less Star Trek? <laughs> yeah, seems unfair. Yeah. But, I mean, I guess uh, why why fantasize about it if you're living it, right? If you can actually go live on Mars, who gives a shit about Picard and the Enterprise, right? Or here's the other option. Yeah. Danielle's a very specific type of Star Trek fan, and she doesn't like DS9 or Voyager or TNG. And mm-hmm. for her, the only real Star <laughs> Trek is the stuff that came out before 
she right. got on the moon or whatever. She's a purist. Kind of the same way that the Crystal yeah. Skull is not a real Indiana Jones movie that got made. Yep. yep. It's fan fiction. Ne- never never got out of the <laughs> never got out of the development phase. Uh that's gonna do it for our coverage of For All Mankind this season. Uh if we I'm I'm pretty sure. I'd say I'm ninety percent sure we'll have a wrap up podcast next week because I do think we're gonna get a lot of a lot of discussion. A lot of people want to continue talking about this. I'm curious to see uh, what people's reaction is because maybe people are way higher on it than we are um, curious to see what the showrunners say there's probably going to be a post-mortem or three uh, so it'll be lots of stuff to talk about but it's honestly whether you guys bring it or not you know uh, if we get lots of feedback if it's just me and Jim saying stuff for five minutes probably not but if we get a decent amount of feedback uh, we'll definitely be back next week to break it down FAM at baldmove.com uh, the future is in your hands other than that, uh, yeah, follow us on all social medias at Bald Move, except for TikTok at Baldest Move. If you want to support us, support.baldmove.com. Uh, I would encourage you to pick a social media and follow it if you're not going to support us because boy, there's a lot of stuff coming up this year. Uh, House of the Dragons going to be returning. Maybe we'll get some succession. True Detective is about to kick off. Very excited about season four of that. Uh, lots of stuff. You don't want to get you don't you don't want to you don't want to uh, get left behind. Uh, that's going to do it for this week. We'll see you next week, hopefully, for the uh, season wrap-up. Until then, I'm your host, Aaron. And I'm Jim. Bye, Bob. Bye, Bob.